0: And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way?
2: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 53 of the Man of Scream podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and this episode, we're going to look at episodes 10 and 11 of season 4 of The Adventures of Superman. First, Inspector Henderson is in a guy to get ensnared in one of his own traps and facing some blackmail from some criminals and then we're going to have your favorite current hero and favorite former hero in one adventure together as robert lowry uh, who played batman in the batman and robin movie serial guest stars on the deadly rock and also showing up this episode is bob fisher again
1: yay hello
3: thanks Hi. what's
1: going on thanks for the invitation to come back couple of decent shows tonight and I'm glad you've done your homework I see right there in the opening I didn't know if if we were going to use that as the big a surprise but right there in the opening Robert Lowry George Reeves together on screen so I'm glad to see you've done your homework, and you yes, know who I, you know who Robert Lowry is.
2: I haven't actually seen the Batman and Robin uh, movie serial, but I do oh, know.
1: Oh, oh! You need to make that. You need to move that up on your to do list. You really do. I think you can pick them up pretty reasonably now.
2: Well, I, I might, I might have some openings because today I, I caught up on all the TV I've been behind on. So
1: terrific, terrific! So now
2: now yeah. I've got some openings in my schedule.
1: But so you need to do that. You need. To see those serials, they are literally, I think I told you before we, we went on the air here, similar to the uh, some of the Superman stuff, but those Batman serials, it goes from some of the best, most incredible Batman and Robin you've ever seen in your life on the big screen to the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen.
2: Which one was Robert Lowry?
1: Uh, he was Batman, but was he the well, most I, was he most well, incredible or the most it, ridiculous?
2: Yeah, which one was he? He
1: was both. Both. They they all right. do both. From changing in the back of a limousine because they don't really have a Batmobile. There's not really a Batmobile. No, they, it's they ride around in just a big limousine. I did see one chapter of one of the serials once. Ah, okay.
2: The only thing I remember is this woman comes up to Batman and Robin and asks them why they're driving Bruce Wayne's car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. That is the only thing right. I remember. Right, but yeah, you need you need to to do that. You need to move that up on your to do list. Also, for fun, someone has on YouTube, uh, everything's on YouTube, right? I mean, the internet just has everything. Yeah. Uh, but uh, someone has taken clips from Kirk Allen series and the Robert Lowry Batman series serials and edited them together. To the Batman v Superman soundtrack. Right. But we are not a Batman nor a world's finest podcast. Not today. But the Deadly Rock comes very close. It's as close as this series gets to being a world's finest episode.
2: And you can kind of make one also. It's a little bit of a stretch, but you can make a leap. Mm -hmm. Does Robert Lowry's character's name sound like another name?
1: Oh, oh, yeah. So I see what you're saying. Yes. Yes, it does sound like uh, like
2: Barry Allen. Barry
1: Allen. Of course, it's Gary Allen. So, yes, it does sound like it, but I don't think that 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 was not
2: No, Barry Allen was not created yet. This episode it was filmed probably in 1955. I believe Showcase number 4 arrived in October 56.
1: I think you're right.
2: I looked it up. So, oh, I did see. want to see what came first, if uh Barry Allen or Gary Allen. Yeah. yeah. But very well, you never know. Somebody might have watched this episode as, as they were creating a Barry Allen's character and just changed, swapped out a couple letters. Yeah. You never know.
1: Highly, but it's just one of those... Highly, highly doubtful.
2: It is, but you know, <laughs> it's fun to speculate. Yes, yes. If, if we didn't speculate, there'd be nothing to record about.
1: No, no. But, uh, but anyway, I'm looking forward to these two. These are a uh, couple of interesting back-to-back. They don't finish off season four.
2: No, though. I'll be finishing off season... For next week, with some sheer torture.
1: Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, you'll have to. You know, I really would like to be here to help you with that, but, but, you know, I think I have a, a dental appointment of some kind, <laughs> or, or I have uh, uh, something to do, really important. But tonight, what do we have tonight?
2: Well, before we get to our episodes tonight, guess who sent some email in? Uh,
1: Roger Maris, <clears throat> Michael Manny. Yeah.
2: If they're if they're listening to this podcast, I'm very concerned about where I'm getting downloads
1: from. <laughs> Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle uh, and Yogi Berra. It's really yeah, it's really just Whitey Ford playing a trick on the other three. Right. Because Whitey's still around.
2: I don't believe I get download numbers from the great beyond.
1: No, but Whitey is still around, so he might be doing it in their name.
2: There you go. Well, I have no idea. The only person I know for sure listens to this show is Dave. Hi, Dave. Well, I know Gene Hendricks listens to him because he sent me a few messages. Oh, hi Gene. So, Gene is still about a year behind.
1: <laughs> well, Gene, wow. Hello in the past or future? Hello in the future. He's in the future then. It'll be. Oh, he's in the, in the, past. He's in the, in the past now, but by the time he actually hears us, it will be our future when he hears this. Yes. So, hello from the future, Gene.
2: And what, hi, what, Dave. Why don't we just get to Dave's letter before we uh, confuse yes. ourselves any further? Yeah. I know. <laughs> so, Dave is writing in on episode 49, in which we discussed
1: the Big Freeze and something else. Ah, yes. The Big Freeze, one of my favorites. And, well, just, oh, maybe and Dave another, knows where the white costume
2: is. The, I don't think he did. Oh, and the Jelly Beans, the unlucky oh. number. Oh, okay. All right. So, Dave writes Greetings, Mike. Another fine episode. In fact, better than I'd anticipated. Ha! <laughs> So I guess we've been setting the bar kind of lowly.
1: Really? Thanks, Dave.
2: <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I don't know. Let's, 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 not think about that too much. No, let's Let's, not. let's move on. <laughs> we'll keep ourselves going. Here. <laughs> right. I was certainly looking forward to your discussion of the big freeze because I remember the very striking look of that white costume. I must admit, I'd completely forgotten the election angle to the plot. And that does make the episode take on a different tone nowadays. Mm-hmm. Also, I had never even thought to wonder about the fate of the white costume, which really does make the episode in a way. It certainly wouldn't have been as memorable if it had been the standard Superman costume throughout the episode. If that costume still does exist somewhere, I'd love to see a photo of it.
1: So say we all. I'd love to know what's, what's happened to that. Maybe now that, you know, I have the status that I didn't have before. Because, you know, before, I was just me. I was just a guy.
2: Now. You are still the only, as far as I know, the last time I checked, the only Superman podcaster to be on the DC Fan website.
1: I am. So maybe with all of that newfound power, DC will answer my email when I send them email and say, "Hey, I hear you guys have the white costume in storage. Prove it. <laughs> Prove it. Because I've heard that. Uh, I think as we talked about that. No, others have said no. The costume was, was is uh, was a temporary whiteness. Yeah. Well." There's many ha- stories
2: but but I still I have also found the stories that DC Comics has it.
1: Yeah, they're out there. If you look on the internet, that's all you can find is that there are quotes that says that DC has it. But show us, take a picture of it, open the door, take a picture and show us. That is possibly along with the other two that are, uh, I think that one would even probably be more uh, valuable in the, you know, in the open collectible market than um, the two that we know exist from one, the color and the black and white episode. Here's why I don't think they have it. Because they would if have they, shown it to us by now? If
2: they did, we would have seen it during that uh, 75th anniversary roaming uh, yes. exhibit that they did. So agree. if they had it, we probably would have seen it then.
1: Yeah, I agree. There have been, they've had several opportunities to show it. Now, somebody says that, well, not somebody, but it, that's kind of a Fox News thing. Many people say, but I have also read that, there is still some holdover, some question about anything that deals with George Reeves this show versus or and DC. DC doesn't it's it's a little murky about who owns the rights to right. the memorabilia, the stuff, particularly on a commercial level. If DC wants to do something commercial with George Reeves' likeness, right. for example.
2: And I think that's why we haven't seen uh Superman fifty one. Yeah, the comic. Well a I- digital comic like we have with Wonder Woman and Batman. I don't believe... They own the, the right to use George Reeves's likeness.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either. I think there's a problem. That's why there is something that's holding them back. It couldn't just be that they're thinking, oh, the baby boomers are so old, nobody would buy this. Or no. maybe they're looking at the sales of the DVD for the complete series, you know, and, and I don't know what their thinking is. But they also haven't done, which I thought they would do almost immediately after the Wonder Woman series. Obviously, Batman 66 has been very popular. It's continued past the others. It's just going to probably go on for quite some time. I thought they would do a Christopher Reeve version of the digital third. You know how they do those, the 99 right. cent a week, a third of a comic kind of thing. But um, I thought if they did another Superman based on a, a past Superman, it would have been Chris Reeve. But he doesn't really feel fit, like George Wood. The other two are the TV versions. Right.
2: I mean, even if you remember they did, when they did that animation a few years ago, I think that was the 75th anniversary, too. Yeah. They showed something that looked like the George Reeves Superman.
1: In kind of black and white.
2: In black and white, but it, it, the costume was George Reeves's, but it wasn't George's face.
1: Wasn't really his face. You're right. You're right. So
2: I wonder if there's an issue where they cannot use his likeness. Yeah, I don't and know. And like, likewise, I kind of wonder the same thing about Christopher Reeve, because when they did the comic adaptation for Superman huh, they didn't draw Christopher Reeve. Interesting. Kurt Swan just drew Superman, as he always did. Right.
1: I didn't. I, I don't think I've ever actually seen the the comic book version of number four.
2: I haven't read it, but I've just seen some pictures.
1: Interesting. And the artwork is I thought where you
2: is standard Kurt Swan Superman artwork.
1: Oh, Dave, did you finish Dave's email? No, we still got we still got some goats. See what I did? I just that was a long tree branch thing oh. that I fell into that hole of there, and mixed metaphors of tree branches and holes. All
2: right. Well, back to Dave. Even that. better. I guess this is where the better than the expected part comes in. Meanwhile. So, hearing you and Bob discuss the unlucky number was a treat because you made me think of it more fondly than I remembered it. <laughs> sure, it had big plot holes, but then so so many TV shows from the 50s did, not just Superman. So I'm willing to let a lot of those go. I particularly love the fact, as Bob mentioned, there was a Superman-shaped hole in the back of that closet. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> which you think the makers of the show wouldn't have thought was even necessary, which I think is what I said.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Because most people watching on, on a small black-and-white TV set at the time probably wouldn't have seen it anyway.
1: No, oh, it was the first time I saw it. I think it was getting watching it for that uh, for when we were going to talk about it because I was looking for little details and looking critical for stuff I hadn't seen before. And all of a sudden, it just jumped out at me when he came out of the closet. And I laughed out loud and had to freeze it and go back and went, Oh, my God, look, it's <laughs> a Superman cutout.
2: You will probably all... Also- also watching it on a much bigger screen than before, too.
1: Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Blackmail did not look very good on the 41-inch.
1: Mm-mm.
2: All right, so, okay. Back to Dave. I wonder if this was a piece of a set that they had already made and saved from some other episode, or if it was ever used again in a later episode. I also love that, at the end, Superman lets Dexter hold the gun on his former criminal cohorts. This illustrates a couple of things that I've always believed about Superman. First, he has a great deal of faith in the innate goodness of people. I'm gonna pause, Dave, for a minute. That great innate faith of in people won't be uh, won't mean anything if he sh- Dexter shoots Lois.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
2: Even the bad guys. Second, since Dexter had claimed to Bobby to be Superman, Part of him must have then tried to live up to that. Eventually, I know myself. Whenever I wear a shirt, or, a Superman shirt or jacket out in public, I always try to be on my best behavior, especially around kids.
1: Mm-hmm. It's true.
2: Superman inspires us to be our best selves. That is very true, Dave. Yes, it is. Thanks as always for a fun. Time listening to you. I'm looking forward to hearing about that renowned scholar of ancient Greek, Greek science and science, Perry White, in the next episode. Live long and prosper, Dave. A little day will do you, McElvany. That's a, uh, we were talking about the, what was the, uh, the commercial, the Brill real cream.
1: Yeah, the Bro cream. Cream. Yes. cream. Way to go, Dave.
2: Yes, thank you, Dave. Dave. Dave always brings up some good thoughts. So Apparently, the better than he expected was our talk on the unlucky number.
1: Unlucky number. It was fun. We had fun. That was a fun one to talk about. Uh, I agree that I, going into that episode, I thought, well, uh, we're going to talk all about the Big Freeze, and we're just not going to. What are you going to say about that? unlucky number and there was quite a bit everything from the comics on the newsstand to the jelly beans to the uh, hole in the wall to the way he melted it to the boots to the name bobby there's so much goodness in that show well
2: when you look at how long we talked on the boy who hated superman
1: <laughs> that's true that's true that's true <laughs> i wonder hawk carr, out there dave hawk carr, wonder if hawk carr uses brill cream for his feathers hawk carr? yeah
2: well we'll have to ask him and next time dave writes in i'm sure he'll let us know
1: Brill cream a little dabble do you for the feathers not too much just enough to keep them glistening too much they'll they'll prevent flight
2: we're gonna glisten over into a podcast promo break and when we come back we're gonna talk about blackmail hang around
3: folks Are you willing to follow me on a journey and risk getting lost in a swirling maze of past ages, protected only by our red indestructible capes as we break through the final unexplored realm of the time barrier to explore the fantastic Silver Age adventures of the world's greatest hero, Superman? If so, join me each week on the Superman Fan Podcast, as together we'll follow the Man of Steel, his cousin Supergirl, and his closest friends, Perry White Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, Lana Lang, Batman and Robin, and others in Superman's never-ending quest to defend truth and justice in the pages of Action Comics, Superman, World's Finest Comics, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, and Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane. Go to the Superman supermanfanpodcast.blogspot.com available on iTunes and most other podcast aggregators. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Medium, Flipboard, and Stitcher. And after you listen, feel free to send email to supermanfanpodcast at gmail.com. And unless you request otherwise, I look forward to reading your comments on future episodes. And don't forget to wear your red indestructible cape. Standard safety equipment for traveling through the time barrier.
2: Welcome back, folks. We're going to head right into Black Man. Original broadcast date was May 26, 1956. Writers were David Chandler and Oliver Drake. That's the first time we're calling Oliver Drake's name. And director is Harry Gerstad. Hello, Harry. Well, I'm sure Harry will say hello back if he can.
1: Oh, yeah. He's in the past.
2: He's hanging with uh, Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, and uh, Yogi. Yeah. And just about everybody else in this episode.
1: Um... Yes, I'll bet everybody. i bet they all are. i bet no one in this episode tonight, either of them, is still alive. I doubt it. Yeah, interesting.
2: Well, hey, speaking of people, our guest cast is George Chandler as Bates, Selmer we've, Jackson.
1: We've uh, seen Chandler before.
2: Yes, he was the hotel owner in Flight to the North, and he was scratchy in The Face and the Voice.
1: Mm-hmm. I think we see him again, too.
2: Well, we might. Selmer Jackson is the police commissioner. Sid Tomac was Eddie Perkins. And Herb Vigrant, who we've seen a bunch, Mm -hmm. as Arnold Woodman. Now for our synopsis brought to you by supermanhomepage.com.
1: Your number one source on the web for Superman information.
2: Half a million dollars in payroll money has been stolen by a gang led by the mysterious Mr. Big. Superman has captured one of his men, a small-time thug named Bates. Hello,
0: Bates. Hello, Superman. You don't seem very surprised to see me. Well, being a wrongdoer, I figured sooner or later you gotta catch me. What's gotta be's gotta be. Well, now, that's very philosophic. I and mean, may I say you left a very easy trail to follow, one very obvious. Well, I'm, I'm just a little guy. I ain't very smart. I see. Oh, uh, the money's over there. Thank you. There's less than $13,000 there. Thank you. I happen to know there's over half a million missing in that armored car holdup. Well, like I told you, I'm just a little guy. They give me a little split. Meanwhile, you led me on a wild goose chase while your friends ran off with the majority of the loot. Where are your friends, Bates? Uh-uh. No comment. Well, in that case, we'll have to run down to headquarters and have a little talk with Inspector Henderson. Maybe you can find something to discuss with him. You. you're gonna fly? Naturally. Well, uh, oh, my car's out back. I'll drive down to headquarters and meet you there. mm No? Huh? No. You mean I'm going to fly with you? That's right. I knew there'd be things about this job I wouldn't like.
2: Your bag? This way. The fight with the man of steel to Metropolis Police Inspector Bill Henderson office has shaken Bates up.
0: Bates was a bit shaken up by the flight to my office with Superman. Not enough to make him talk, evidently. He's obviously being well paid to keep his mouth shut. What about the money Superman found with him? Uh, The money wasn't from the payroll job. Oh, fine. That means you can only hold him a few days. He won't be in jail long enough to lose a suntan. They knew a job as big as this would ring in Superman, so they paid Bates off to act as decoy. What you have to do is find out who they are and who this Mr. Big is. Yeah, that'll take a lot of luck. Bill, how'd you like to stretch your luck a bit? What's your idea? Well, isn't Bates due to be transferred to the county jail today? Yeah. Why don't you take him yourself? Oh, so you think there'll be an attempt at a break? Well, no, there could just be. Come on, I'll explain it to you on the way down to headquarters.
2: Bates has knocked out Henderson. His getaway is front Page News.
0: A special edition will hit the streets in about a half hour, Bill. Yeah, I can hardly wait. After what the police commissioner said, Nothing could be worse.
4: If these things can pick up a heartbeat loud enough to hear, they can certainly pick up a voice through a door.
5: I feel sort of sneaky, but you know, I like it. (laughs) Jimmy, you're positively brilliant. Well, it runs in the family, and sometimes I catch up with it.
0: (laughs) Well, he fell for the chance like a ton of bricks. Nearly broke my neck. Well, the important thing is that Bates is loose now. Let's just hope he leads us to Mr. Big. Yeah, I have three men tailing him, unofficially, of course. It's a chance, Bill. It's a long chance, but it's still a chance of sorts. Oh, sure. You know, I must be crazy. If the commissioner ever learned that I let Bates escape on purpose, he'd boil me in oil. I could be disgraced, ruined, even go to jail myself.
4: I just can't believe it. A deliberate escape. If this thing blows up in their faces. and
5: it will if somebody doesn't find this Mr. Big.
4: And there's no reason why it shouldn't be us. Come on.
0: Well, I'd better get back to headquarters. The men who are trailing baits should be reporting in pretty soon. Good hunting.
2: The inspector's men are currently tailing baits as he to Arnold Woodman.
0: I'm sick of this bomb shelter. And what are we doing in the bomb shelter anyway? Who's going to bomb us? Nobody, stupid. I rented this joint from a rich dame because it's a perfect hideout. And the walls are lined with lead for protection against atomic radiation. I don't talk like that. It ain't atomic radiation. I'm thinking about it. Superman. And the lead lining makes it impossible for him to see us. Oh, great. Superman can't see us. So here we sit with a half a million bucks hibernating like a couple of bears. Sure, but the cops got the city sealed off. The airports, the railroads, roadblocks on all the highways. But as long as we sit tight here till the heat's off, we're okay. Yeah, well, when does the heat get turned off? As soon as I figure out a way to get a certain evidence file from our pal Inspector Henderson. Don't call that cop a pal. It gives me the creeps. That file could send us up for life if he ever gets his hands on us. And if we had it, we could blow this trap tomorrow. Yeah, if we had it.
2: Bates has been hired by Woodman to steal Henderson's files on Mr. Big's gang. Instead, the criminal's instincts to flee got the better of him. In spite of this, Arnold has an idea. He intends to blackmail Inspector Henderson with $20,000. Everything Woodman needs to begin ruining Inspector Henderson has been set into motion.
0: You said you had information on the Benton robbery job. Sure I have. In fact, I can point out one of the characters who was in on it. You can? Who? Me. Forget it, Buster. Better think first. I guess you already read the newspaper. The headline says, uh, Payroll Thug Escapes Police Inspector. Pretty good story, too. The police commissioner says every effort will be taken to... All right, get on with it. What do you want? All we want is the Benton job evidence file. Complete by midnight tonight. Are you crazy? What makes you think I'd give you that file? You let Bates escape, didn't you? Of course not. Sure you did. For a bribe of 20,000 bucks. That's a lie. Sure, but it's a lie we can prove. The money's already been planted. And we've got definite proof set up to connect you with it. I never took a bribe in my life. No? Look in your left-hand pocket. Now, look at the serial number. It's from the payroll job, same as the rest of the 20,000. I wish I had evidence to arrest you, but I haven't. But I'll get you sooner or later. Sure. But you wouldn't arrest me anyhow. Because then I'd have to tell him about the bribe and prove it. You got to admit an old pro like you letting a hoot escape don't smell too good to begin with. Get out of here. Okay, okay. But look at it from the humorous side. There is something funny about a cop being blackmailed. Get out of here. What's the matter, Bill? Can't I? I was half kidding before about going to jail, but but I'm not now going to happen why do you say that well we started out to uncover the identity of mr big now if i knew who he was i'd make it my duty to arrest him but if i lay a finger on him i'm ruined for life yeah well i got you into this i only hope i can get you out even superman couldn't help me now
2: if bill doesn't give eddie anything he has on the payroll robbery all All of Metropolis will believe the inspector took a bribe to free Bates from prison. The money has been planted, and Henderson's hands are tied. Arnold Woodman may have just succeeded in making Inspector Henderson look like the very type of criminal whom he has fought against for years. Clark can't arrive at Henderson's office just as Eddie leaves. Woodman and Eddie are clearly worried. Fortunately, Bates being a fugitive can work to Mr. Big's advantage. A letter written by Bates should get Clark's attention.
4: Clark might have come in while we were downstairs.
5: Probably still on Inspector Henderson's waiting for Bates to make a move.
4: Yeah, I guess so. If they're concentrating on it from that angle, we'd better figure out one ourselves. If we
5: only had something to start with. I wonder... Somebody must have brought it in person.
4: Um, that reminds me, I need some ink in my office. You spilled it all over everywhere. Clumsy of me, wasn't it? Incidentally, are you sure Mr. Kent's name was on this letter?
5: Well, the handwriting wasn't very legible.
4: Maybe we should uh, look to make sure?
5: It's our duty, Miss Lane.
4: Mr. Kent, I am ready to give myself up, but only to you. Come alone to the shack where Superman captured me. No tricks, sign Bates.
5: Miss Lane, if he's willing to give himself up to Mr. Kent, he must be ready to talk.
4: And if he's ready to talk, it's our duty to provide someone to listen, like us. Let's get in the car.
2: I, uh, I only hope Superman's somewhere close just in case. In addition to that, Mr. Big is prepared with a weapon that is so powerful, it could defeat even Superman. Lois and Jimmy are prisoners held at gunpoint by Eddie.
0: Come in. What is it?
4: Are you Mr. Bates?
0: Who are you?
5: I'm Smith, and she's Jones, and this is all a mistake. We're sorry we bothered (laughs) you. Sure is a mistake. Come on,
0: Buster. What's this all about?
4: Might as well tell him, Jimmy. You sent for Mr. Kent, and he was busy, so we came in his place. We're reporters on the planet, too.
0: Only one thing wrong. I ain't Bates. Then this is a trap. How are you thinking, kid? But no harm done. Three is better than one any day. Go on, sit down, make yourself comfortable while we wait for Kent to come after you.
4: But Mr. Kent Uh, is... He he isn't going to be here for an hour. We
0: can wait. Sit down. Sit down. My nerves is on edge, so don't try nothing. I'm a sick man. Besides nerves, I got high lab pressure and sideways metabolism. Sit down.
5: Sir, uh... Sir, if I... If you but allow me to reach my hand in my pocket, your health may be
0: greatly improved. Go ahead. But don't forget I'm holding this gun on you. Hey, you ain't a doc, are you? Well, sir, I
5: I can truthfully say I didn't waste all those years at the Vienna Medical Conservatory.
0: Hey, them Vienna guys got ailments I never heard of over here. Oh, sir,
5: if you but give me the chance, I'm sure I can find a new one for you. Go ahead, find something.
0: Something's wrong with my cranium, ain't there? I knew it. Yeah, you got a very bad case of uh, cerebellum. Hey, that sounds important. They got pills for that?
5: Be quiet while I listen to your lobar pendulum. Lobar pendulum.
4: Congratulations, doctor. The operation was a success.
5: Thanks, Miss Lane. I'll... All we have to do is sew him up without that.
2: Unfortunately, they are unaware of the blackmail.
0: As Bates' pal pointed out, it does have its humorous side. If Bates doesn't know he's being tailed and should lead us to Mr. Big, well... What's the last thing we want? We don't want to find Mr. Big until first we find that money. Just give him a better hold on you.
4: Inspector Clark, we got one of them. One of whom? One of the gang. While you two were loafing, Jimmy and I went into action.
5: He's tied up in that shack where Superman got Bates. And if he talks, you're gonna have your Mr. Big in an hour.
0: I'm sorry, Bill.
4: Sorry? Sorry for what? We got you both out of a jam.
0: Out of the frying pan, you mean? The case is practically solved. Isn't that what you wanted? It's a long story, Jimmy. Well, Bill? I've got no choice. And you know it. This is Henderson. Get my car and two officers. I'll be right down. I haven't even got that six hours anymore. You'd like to come along? It's your story now. chief thanks, thanks, Inspector.
2: Lois and Jimmy's eagerness to help with the Mr. Big case could cost Inspector Henderson his job. Inspector Henderson is saddened by the latest news. Hello, Clark.
0: I take it Eddie spilled the beans. All over the commissioner's office. It's just about the end of the road for me, Kent. In a few minutes, I'll go downstairs and get into a car with the commissioner, a couple of good cops, and Eddie. We'll drive to wherever he tells us. Find the evidence that I took a bribe. Look at these, Kent. I used to wear them when I was pounding a beat on Delancey Street. When I used to dream of becoming an inspector. But now it's all over. Funny how you get attached to things. My club, my badge, the coffee pot. My desk, police car. I know, Bill. I hope someday you can find it in your heart to forgive me. It was my decision too. Oh, uh, put these in a box for me, will you, Kent? I've got to get going. I'm under arrest right now. Sure, Bill.
2: As the police commissioner and Henderson head for the central bus depot, Clark finds the key to locker number 770 hidden in the front passenger side fender of Inspector Henderson's car. Superman flies to get to the terminal before Henderson and the others.
0: Go ahead, Commish. Use the master key you got from the baggage room. Lock feels a little loud. It's empty. Hey, wait a minute. There was a briefcase in here with 20,000 clams. I put it in here said. Oh, you did, eh? That's all I wanted to hear. I just want the pleasure of arresting you again, Eddie. That Arnold, the dirty double-crossing rat. He must have took a powder with that half a million bucks and couldn't resist stopping for a lousy 20 grand. So that's Mr. Big, Arnold Woodman. Yeah, the dirty rat. I should have known after the way he cheated at Scrabble. Never mind that. Where is he? If I knew, I'd be glad to tell you. The only thing I know is we was hiding in a bomb shelter in back of 85 Chestnut Street. Yeah, it's worth a try. Let's go.
2: Mr. Big's new gun literally blows up in his face. Now he, like the rest of his gang, will spend the rest of his life in prison. Superman has brought yet another criminal to justice. However, he isn't so lucky. It's Clark Kent.
4: Hey, Dave. Hey, hurry up and open yours, Jim. We got the rays.
5: Oh, am I gonna celebrate tonight? I'm gonna go to two double features. Well, that's funny. I didn't
0: get any rays.
4: Well, naturally. We help Superman round up the gang, not you. Oh, uh,
0: that's right, Lois. I guess I wasn't much help, was I? All
2: right, so Bob, what do you think of this one?
1: <laughs> uh, it is a, a satisfactory episode. There's not a lot of highs and lows, but it's worth it. The whole episode is worth it, as I think you've already pointed out. The one Jack Larson and uh, uh, what's-his-face is seen. I forgot the actor's name again. I've drawn a blank.
2: Well, the character is Eddie Perkins.
1: Eddie Perkins. So when Jimmy Olsen is tapping him on the back of the head. Yeah, that's a funny bit. And with the hypochondriac, him playing the hypochondriac, that that is a funny funny bit. And um, uh, the way the show opens is kind of funny with... Him straightening up the, the shack, moving stuff, so because he knows Superman where Superman's gonna bust through.
2: Well, when you're expecting Superman, it's only polite to clean the place up.
1: Clean the place up, because you don't want him to trip over the fireplace stuff and the logs.
2: He might walk. He might walk off the set.
1: Right, right. So, uh, but I think for what it was, you know, it had a little bit of comedy. This time, once again, I should say they they used the bad guy as kind of the comic with Jack Larson whereas in the same episode they want us to believe the seriousness of the trouble that Henderson's in by letting him go but you know all in all c c plus yeah you know this you?
2: is you know one thing i like about both of these two episodes that we're doing tonight is you know we talk a little a lot about how the color episodes kind of go a little more kid friendly and yeah. there is some of that here but some yeah. There's some serious stuff going on
1: here. Yeah, it, it's plot. There's, it is. There's a story here. And, you know, kids keeping stuff with some really nice humor. And right. I think all of it plays, to be honest. I think it does play. Even in the opening again, when he's counting the crooks, counting the money, he does a little, you know, it's almost uh, a Three Stooges or Mark's brother or, you know, a typical convict boss guy counting right. them. in the Oh, well, psh- ones those aren't important folds them and puts them in his own pocket uh, you know that's a funny little bit right and you know most of that opening scene was done in uh one long camera shot yeah it was just, so kind of harkening back to the first season but you know uh, a, a nice episode it, it's not i think i could talk myself into even bumping it up to a b or a b plus right because there wasn't anything in it that i went oh god that's dumb
2: no, not, not, not in either of these episodes. Yeah,
1: neither one of them. And um, I'm gonna I'm bumping mine up to a B, a solid B. Yeah,
2: this is a very this is a very you know solid episode.
1: Yeah, but it's also an episode where you know we're seeing a lot
2: of this now where Superman doesn't really do a whole lot.
1: No, no,
2: and he's still kind of hiding off to the side.
1: But Clark and Henderson have some really good scenes together too. But I think we're starting to see now uh, almost the format for the remainder of the series, uh, in general terms. You'll see a lot of that. I think we're going to see more of Henderson and Kent. But, right. uh, you know, as I say that, I have to go even back to the first and second season where the two of them were doing great scenes together, even from the beginning, with Lois and Jimmy, two plot threads, same storyline. Right. Uh, Lois and Jimmy going that side, and and Bill and Clark going that side.
2: Mostly the first. You didn't, didn't see a lot of Bill in the second season. No, he was mentioned a lot, but you never really saw him that much. Right. So we talked a little bit about Bates. He's looking very comfortable as Superman shows up, and Superman counted all the money
1: <laughs> by flipping it in his ear. That's funny. Yeah, you know, yeah, he he listened to it. Yeah, that's funny.
2: And he and he also knows that Bates has skimmed some off the top, as as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, uh, they're gonna leave. You know, this is all set up. And we find out later that Bates, Bates was paid to get caught. Right. He was the designated decoy. Yes.
1: $20,000 to get arrested. It's a good day, um, depending it, on how that arrest is going to hurt.
2: Yeah, exactly. I don't. He didn't seem to be planning to escape. Well, at least I don't think uh, Woodman was planning for him to
1: escape. No, the plan was, yeah, for you to go there and stay there and do these other things. But, you know, his, his crook instinct kicked in.
2: As they knew it would.
1: Yes, he couldn't help himself.
2: Yeah, and he is... Afraid of flying. And I thought it was very nice of Superman to help Bates put his coat on for him. You know, doesn't want him to catch a cold. He's a gentleman. He is. But you can tell that Bates has got a plan up his sleeve. You know, I don't think he got paid nearly enough to be the fall guy and let Superman on a wild goose chase while his accomplices get away with the rest of the money.
1: Right. By the way, you mentioned the episodes he was in earlier, right? Right. Uh, Wasn't he also in Shot in the Dark? The bum who was asleep? He was, dark. I don't remember. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Not shot in the dark. The uh, the one where Superman walks in and all the bullets hit him. And one of them is made of kryptonite. I don't know. He'd and be the, the kind. The guy he'd... who picks up all of the bullets after Superman leaves, the bum sleeping in the alley. Was that him? Is this guy. Hold on, IMDB. What was the name of that episode? I forgot the name of that episode.
2: Which one, the kryptonite it was the defeat of Superman?
1: The defeat of Superman, right. There you go.
2: All right, let's see. This is very riveting podcasting.
1: This is the best. Hey, listen. This is <laughs> this is the best. You will have
2: good information. Oh, Here's the Avengers Superman right there. Nope, three episodes.
1: Well, who was the guy that picked up that the bullets? It's the same.
2: Okay. Nope, the only season two episodes he did was Face and the Voice.
1: The guy who picked up the bullets was somebody else. Somebody else. That was the guy who was doing the lead, ma- the fingerprints, and that was Ruffles, and he
2: was played by Sid
1: Tomac. Okay, so he was also then in the one about the finger changing the face and the fingers, fingerprints.
2: He was in he was in five he was in five episodes. All right.
1: He was in the Secret of Superman, defeat,
2: right? Clark Kent Outlaw. That's obviously blackmail, which we're talking about right now. Right. And
1: three in one. Okay. Well, there's two of them that are identical guys with different names. Right. Which is probably why they were part of the regular, semi-regular, recurring villain.
2: Hey everybody, Mike here. Sorry to cut in on you like this, but I just wanted to point out that Sid Tomac was the homeless guy in The Secret of Superman who picked up all the kryptonite bullets, and he was also in this episode playing the role of Eddie Perkins, which I didn't mention in that little sequence there while I was IMDBing. All right. Back to your regularly scheduled show. Well, five times is enough to put you up there to, uh, even three is enough to put you up there among the most frequently, uh, guest casted, uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: runs. I mean, Richard Reeves only, only did seven and it seems like he was on every other episode.
1: Right. But wow. So, seven, seven's a lot.
2: It is. <laughs> but it just seems like so much more.
1: Right. Have you looked that up? Who holds records? How many, all the villains, or do you do it as you come across the guy?
2: It's got to be him.
1: Yeah, I can't, I can't think of anybody. It's got to be him.
2: Richard Reeves or Ben Weldon.
1: I, I was thinking Ben Weldon, maybe, because he was in so many that I think are off the top of my head. Sometimes he was the main guy, but most of the time he was just a henchman. But, uh, Richard Reeves was in Batman, too. Yeah.
2: I'm on Richard Reeves
1: right now. Five? Richard Reeves only did five? I don't know. Yep. I think they're missing some. Maybe, but...
2: It know. seems like it seems like more.
1: Yeah. Okay. All
2: right. Let's check out Ben Weldon.
1: Yeah, I think Ben Weldon's going to win. Then I think so. If, if Richard uh, Richard and he, what and even Ben Weldon, <laughs>
2: I'm sure whatever number he it is, we're going to think it's low.
1: <laughs> Probably. Why should be
2: three? No, it's not. It <laughs> no, not. It's
1: got to be more than five. It has to be because he's more than the guy's on tonight, and the guy that's on tonight in Blackmail has done five. No, he's done three. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm getting, getting confused again with Richard the other guy. The other guy, I thought he was. Richard Reeves did five. Did Richard Reeves? And Sid, did five. and Sid Tomac did five. Sid Tomac, that's the other guy. So now you're looking up Ben uh, Weldon. Ben Weldon. Well, ladies and gentlemen, put yours, put your bets in. Will it be more? Ben Weldon did eight. Eight. We have and a winner.
2: That, that's got to be the. That's got to be it.
1: Got to be it. I can't imagine anybody else doing more than him. No. Oh, I oh, a, no, he's three or four. Who? The the he because he usually plays the boss. Oh, John Eldridge. Yeah, John Eldridge. Yeah,
2: you know, without looking him up, he probably I think he did. I could think of four, off the top of my head, and I don't can't think of any others. He did Crime Wave, mm-hmm. Shot in the Dark,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Girl Who Hired Superman, and Superman's Wife.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I can't think of any more off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, I can't
2: either. I mean, even you know Leonard Rudy, who did Brockhurst did. Three or four. Mm. All right, so, as usual, Clark has a plan now that Bates is in jail. And he's going to suggest that Henderson transfer Bates to county as Bate. Clark is playing pretty fast and loose with Henderson's career here.
1: Well, Henderson lets him. He does. Which is not unusual. But that's how most cities work, isn't it? The police inspector, the police have a close working relationship with the press. And they will often let their favorite reporter solve the crime for them.
2: Especially if your favorite reporter is a better cop than you are. Mm-hmm. Apparently. Bates is awful happy to be in jail. He's very cheerful about his trip to county. He's, he's all about that better food.
1: All about that Bates food. Yeah. Better. And, all uh, about that base, About that Bates.
2: And then he offers him a cigarette. Henderson drops the mattress in, in a sequence that doesn't look at all staged.
1: <laughs>
2: and he's clubbed. And Bates is off to the races. This is all part of Clark's master plan. I guess even uh, getting Henderson chewed out by, uh, by the commissioner.
1: Well, take your shots, take your chances. Yep, this is what happens. Henderson knew he was going to be in trouble for this. He knew. And next comes a sequence that you never want
2: your kids to see. As Lois and Jimmy show up with a, bunch of th- with a couple of stethoscopes.
1: <laughs>
2: and they're listening at the door. I don't actually know if this works, but...
1: Uh, to some degree, I'm sure it does work. Even and, putting uh, a glass up to a, a a wall or a door, you can hear vibrations, you can hear through it, focus right. properly up to your ear. There's all kinds of secret techniques used. All I can think of is that that poor medic down in the first aid
2: room is probably wondering what the hell happened to his stethoscopes.
1: Oh, who knows? Maybe Lois and Jimmy keep them around as part of their... Well, of course, Jimmy in the comics would have it because he keeps a disguise kit. Right, right. So that he can become anyone he needs to be.
2: And apparently this was Jimmy's idea, apparently.
1: Of course. Of course it's Jimmy's idea.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And they're going to listen in on what's going on in Clark's office. And this is the kind of stuff with Lois that annoys me.
1: Well, yeah.
2: yeah. Can't she find her own stories? (laughs) This is what always annoyed me about the Fleischer cartoons. Lois was always more interested in what Clark was doing than her own work. Well, yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing to get anything done with all this crap they do.
1: Well, you're getting ready to start reading some Silver Age comic books. Make sure you add Lois Lane to that reading list and John uh, Olson.
2: Yes, I'm doing all of the, all the Superman, all the Batman.
1: Okay, because this is a typical uh, way for Lois to be acting in that time period.
2: So, we we now find out that this is all part of the plan, and they only hear snippets. Well, no, I don't know about snippets, but they come in late. All they know is that the escape was part of the plan. Right. They're missing some piece of vital information, but... typically Now, obviously, uh, Lois and Jimmy are going to now find out who Mr. Big is, because if not them, if anyone's going to do it, why shouldn't it be them, and...
1: Of course. Because, you know, it's Lois and Jimmy. right. But they're going after the story. It's legit. They are. It works. I'm not
2: even sure they know who Bates is.
1: Yeah, they never make that clear, that they know that he's, uh, you know, some sort of a... But, you know, we now know that Bates is not a big-time boss kind of guy. He's just, uh, you know, a henchman, yeah, a flungy. He's just a henchman. He's going to be a well-paid one if if it went well.
2: Right, but it, it never goes well. Of course not.
1: You're trying to so- do it in Metropolis.
2: yeah. So anyway, now we're going to meet, in the next scene, we're going to meet Eddie and Arnold Woodman, Eddie, Eddie Perkins. They're playing Scrabble. And they're playing Scrabble rather early, too. These men don't know don't know good words.
1: Uh, no, no, they don't. And they're, of course, cheating. guess you would expect them to cheat.
2: Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? They are, well, they're probably not expert spellers either. And uh, Eddie is tired of his bomb shelter. And... Arnold rented it from a rich dame. Maybe uh, Mara Van Cleaver's job at the planet fell through <laughs> when she needed the cash. <laughs> and she rented out her lead line bomb shelter. Uh, I'm sure here. that.
1: There you go. Bringing back, recalling a former, a previous to a current for the future. <laughs> So good, so good. Well, that's why rec- you're a pro, Mike. That's somebody why. Somebody has recall. to recall these things. They're not recalling anything. <laughs> well, that's why you're the you're the pro.
2: At least not in this episode. There'll be some recalling in the next one.
1: Yes. So, kind of like comic books of the time, it's rarely happened, but when it does, you go, "Oh, cool." Yeah. They remembered. That that became more of a bronze age thing, right? Uh, no, you'll actually get into it in the silver age. In, uh, but probably, you know, 66-ish. But but he, all throughout, they would do things like that. And then even in the early Silver Age, there are several stories where they do flashbacks of things that happened previously in Superman's okay. life of stories. So, yay, continuity. Yep. My buddy John M. Wilson would say. Yay, right. continuity. Well, if they're not going to
2: make continuity, I'm going to make some.
1: Good. So... I, of want course some, I want fudge continuity. Thank you very much. Oh,
2: wow. There's a lot of fudging of continuity, too. <laughs> mm. so, but, then, of oh. course, there must be plenty of lead-line bomb shelters. Of course.
1: This is the post-atomic age. Exactly. Everybody had their own atomic bomb shelter.
2: Well, if you were rich, I'm sure you did. Yeah. So Apparently, Eddie is getting a little stir-crazy. He wants to get out and see the world. And it's probably uh, exacerbating whatever condition he thinks he has. But they can't go anywhere because this town is sealed off. The bridges have been blown and Woodman can't escape. Oh, great. I, I've confused this episode with No Man's Land, haven't
1: I? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I think you have.
2: Woodman is apparently going to take advantage of Inspector Henderson's plan to set Bates because we find out that Bates calls Woodman on the phone and Woodman gets all pissy at Bates because he told my page paid you to get arrested not to break out. It's good that uh, at least one of the criminals is using some of the gray matter. Mm-hmm. And it's also good that the police officer following Bates isn't worth a damn in his job.
1: Uh, Yeah, they ditched him pretty easily. You see the
2: shadow behind Bates.
1: Yeah, he's like right there.
2: Turns around. Yeah. You can see the, the shadow backs away. Yeah, it was, like, oh, funny.
1: yeah. it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was,
2: bit. Oh, yeah, being followed.
1: Yeah. You know, and it's funny because things like that, little scenes like that, are the difference between that same shot being done for an adult audience or, or a, a child audience. For kids, you got to make that little bit obvious, because even on the phone, the boss says, all right, turn around quick, look behind you. Boom, he turns around and then sees the guy, and then he realizes, of course, he's being followed.
2: Right. And the cop realizes he's looking and bags away, but obviously it's too late. Right. So their their plan is they're going to blackmail Henderson. So Eddie shows up at Henderson's office telling him about the bribe they've set up and that the money is somewhere. This is for letting Bates escape. So Henderson is kind of behind the eight ball here, and uh, he's going to have to give up his evidence file at midnight. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Tick-tock, and Henderson is suddenly me that I feel so good about Clark's plan. And even Clark feels bad about it, and I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? You should. You should. It was your idea. Yeah. But, you know, we've said this before. Clark is a little more likely to kind of make a long play than Henderson is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Even for Henderson, himself. He'll pretend to be fired and all that stuff himself if it needs right. to be. We've seen it countless
2: times. Henderson is, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna arrest him. When Clark is the one saying, no, hold on. Let's see how this plays out. So Clark and Eddie pass by each other when Clark walks in. Before Clark walks into uh, Inspector Henderson's office. And Eddie uh, reports this back to Woodman, who is concerned because, you know, Clark will get such a touch of Superman and that will... Uh, Shoot their plan to hell. Because they don't need Superman to show up and they go steal the file. I don't get why they're going to steal the file. Plot? They, I mean, they have Henderson. They can just have him bring the file.
1: Oh, oh I see what you're saying. Right. Because they've already blackmailed him.
2: They've already blackmailed him.
1: He was supposed to bring them the file, though, right?
2: I think he was supposed to make it, make it available, basically. have it ready for them to come and get. Hmm. Either way, they're going to trap Clark Kent. And uh here are Lois and Jimmy weaving themselves back into the story. Yay. Just so don't we forget they're up to something and uh and they find an envelope on Clark's desk and well, naturally they read it. I hate I personally I hate when people read stuff on my desk. Well. Don't
1: leave it on your desk.
2: Well, I gotta leave it somewhere. You know, if my desk has an empty space, I gotta put something on it. Well
1: put an action figure. Don't leave anything out that you don't want other people to read.
2: Well, kid didn't know it was there. Well, anyway, they find the envelope. Lois
1: was wrong. Lois should not have read it, boys and no, girls. She's, Lois was being bad.
2: And Lois will, will be bad again. Practically this is what Lois, every episode. Yeah, basically. She. This all started with her, her That with her and her stethoscope. Yes, it did. So she covers herself by spilling the ink all, all over Clark's name.
1: And a bad cerebellum.
2: Uh, we'll, we'll get to the bad case of cerebellum. <laughs> it's a letter from Bates setting his trap. He wants to give himself up, and he invites Clark to the shack where Superman arrested him. Question, how do Lois and Jimmy know where this shack is?
1: Because it was there in all the other episodes where they needed a shack? Probably. Right. It was the only
2: shack down, down the road.
1: Right. It's even the Phantom Ring shack.
2: Yeah, I, I thought it looked familiar.
1: Yeah, and it's, uh, it's well, the, it's, it's, it's it's the shack. It's,
2: it's, the, sh- <laughs> it's the shack the show has to use. Yeah,
1: I think it goes all the way back to the mind uh, machine shack, too. I think it's the shock. It's the same shock.
2: But fortunately Lois and Jimmy know where it is. The article about Bates' arrest was a printed directions. Good thing. Yeah, Daily Planet map quest. So they know somehow and they find Eddie. And I always like how Jimmy tries to escape when he sees a gun. Like I'm Joan she's Jones I'm Smith and we made a mistake. Just some great bit of dialogue by Decklars in there.
1: It's great. And and the look on his face, the arms on his head and oh oh, oh. It's all that's missing. And you could tell the
2: writer, especially Chantler, who's been around a while. Yeah. He knows what Jack Larson can do. Yeah. You could tell he's writing this stuff for Jack Larson. Yeah. Because cause they're not having Noel Neal do these things.
1: No, it's all Jack. Jack does all the slapstick and all, and he does it so well. Sometimes over the top, sometimes just subtle stuff. But no, I really enjoy Jack's performances almost all the time now. I think and then that's one of the big things that's come from watching all these shows in modern times as an adult again is when you watch them so many times, you get to pick out the individual actors and just follow them almost through the entire episode and watch them do their craft and do their thing. And, uh, Jack Larson's just a joy to watch. Absolute joy to watch. Well, Even joy though he's is- just not the main character in the scene. I just love watching him. He's so good.
2: The joy is coming in about a minute here. Yes. But before that, Jimmy nearly blows everything by telling Eddie that Clark isn't coming, but Lois shuts him up. That's Lois' end of this relationship, telling Jimmy to shut up before he uh, blows anything. So while they're being held at gunpoint, Jimmy is going to use the stethoscope, and he convinces uh, Eddie that he has some medical training, because Eddie's one of those guys. He reads about a disease, and he has it, so he's very much a hypochondriac. Yes. And I don't know about you, but I definitely would not want to come down with a bad case of cerebellum.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> Listen, these two guys play this scene so well.
2: They, it starts right off with the tapping on the shoulder. So funny. You don't want a bad case of cerebellum. It's the part of the brain <laughs> that uh, coordinates and regulates muscular activity. Right. So, so I, I guess you don't want to have bad cerebellum and just be spasming all over the floor.
1: <laughs> but, oh my God. He he played that so well. Both of them did. Both of them did.
2: Uh, do you want Jimmy
1: uh, listening to your low bar pen, pendulum? No, not the low bar. Maybe the high bar, but <laughs> <laughs> not the low bar.
2: No. That, that's, that's even a real thing. I should have... hmm. Very funny. Yeah, but so you don't want Jim listening to that. So eventually, you know, he knocks out Eddie and they tie him up. You know, good for them because they never get out of the trap. <laughs> They, they are always right. waiting well, to be rescued.
1: Remember, though, back in the record days, they had the guy, tied him up, but they left him alone. And then the big boss comes in and shoots him. Yep. What's going to happen here?
2: Well, they're going to go back to Henderson's office. They Do they take Eddie, Eddie with him? I don't know. They, they tie him up.
1: Yeah, they tie him up. Leave him there, I guess. Go back to Henderson and say, hey, we have him. Go get him over there.
2: Yeah, they do, because look, he has Lois and Jimmy come come with him. Right. So they uh they come back to Henson's all excited, and you see a very notable lack of excitement on the part of Clark and Bill.
1: Right. Well, of course, because they just screwed the pooch.
2: Yeah, they did, and they don't even know it. No. Nope. Because they only know half the story. They knew about Bates, but they didn't know about the blackmail. So they ran off with half information, and they screwed everything up, because... They're still clueless uh, about the uh, 20K. And now Bill doesn't have his six hours till midnight anymore.
1: No. Tick tock, tick tock.
2: Well, there's no point in to- un- ticking and talking anymore because mm. Eddie is going to tell the uh, commissioner about everything that everything that happens. So while Eddie's talking, uh, Lois and Jimmy are back at Clark's office. Apparently, the uh, set for Lois's office wasn't available for the day <laughs> because her typewriter was in the shop, apparently.
1: She actually said that at one
2: point. She did say that, that she's yeah. getting. she hasn't gotten her typewriter back yet. Yeah. So.
1: I just think that's amazing. In a major metropolitan newspaper, your private, what is that, your own personal typewriter? Probably, maybe, I guess.
2: Well, no, you, you wouldn't think. You would think it would be a company typewriter.
1: In the office there, you would think. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah,
2: because even at work, if I do something to my laptop... They have another one that I could use in the meantime while they un- while they unscrew it up.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Apparently <laughs> they didn't have extra typewriter for Lois.
1: Well, they didn't have use of her set. Yeah. They needed Clark's set, and since her office and Clark's office are the same office with the desk moved around, then, hmm, since we needed Clark's office earlier, we'll just have Clark be the office for this episode.
2: Right. And they're also not above redecorating Lois's office for one episode. If need be. They did it in Dagger Island. Uh, Apparently, uh, Henderson is under arrest and he leaves Clark to box up Henderson's office. I I guess that's the least Clark could do after getting Henderson arrested. I guess. He can uh, box up the office for him. And as he's thinking about all the things that Henderson said he would miss, the word police car" tells him something. So Clark walks out to the parking lot, finds the squad car, and it's the key to Locker 770 at the Central Depot.
1: And how does he find that key? Well, he goes under the fender. And why does he go under the fender? What I'm getting no. at is that Our, he found the key the way you or I would find the key. Feeling around, thinking, hmm, maybe up under there, and then putting his arm up there and feeling around instead of x-ray vision and going, right. ah, there it is, and going yeah, right true. to it. They missed why the chance you? here to do a, do an x-ray vision thing. That would have been they very did. cool.
2: Why would you leave a key there anyway? A car, A car key?
1: I don't know. People used to do that: put key, extra spare car keys up under their the wheel well, particularly in cars like that. Maybe put a
2: stealing sign on on it.
1: Yeah, you needed a car on the outside, a key on the outside, unless you lock, in case you locked your keys inside.
2: There's a solution to that.
1: Don't lock your keys in the car. Yes. Actually, in those days, back in the fifties, most people didn't lock their car. They left the keys in them half the time. The cars were running most of the time. Right. Not anymore.
2: So Clark finds the key and changes to Superman and he flies off. And when they, the commissioner and, uh, Henderson and Eddie get to the, to the locker, it's empty. And now Eddie does a whole bunch of screwing up. Cause he announces that it should be here. He put it there himself. Well, oops. Yep. That's a, that's a pretty big oops. Yeah. So that, that, that gets Henderson off the hook. And then he, and then he doubles down on his screw up by telling him that Arnold Woodman is the boss. And then he makes an interesting contradiction. He doesn't know where Woodman is, but it gives him the address for the bomb shelter.
1: Oh, right. <laughs> well, he doesn't know that Woodman is there. Well, where else would he be? Maybe he's at the other bomb shelter.
2: Right, because he, he, he rented several, I guess.
1: It's all over the city. Maybe several oh. cities. I don't so. know. I don't know. You're right. That that's, I didn't think of that. It didn't, I don't know. It didn't jump out at me at the time as being, hey, saying, I don't know, but here's an address.
2: Yeah. After they leave, Superman puts the money back in the locker. Why?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny, too. Wouldn't that be like, evidence?
2: Well, you would think. <laughs> but, but he couldn't fit that in his belt. Right. So he still has the key, so you're right, him, he'll come back later.
1: You're right. I must not have had my critical hat on today, because... You're right. I let that one slip, and that's just stupid. Because that's evidence. That's the whole setup. That's the basis of the the whole shenanigans.
2: Right, and that's money, I believe, from the bank job.
1: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's the bank job. It's the fraud money. It's the blackmail money. Right. And Superman kind of smiles and puts it back in the right, in, back in, in the locker. locker. Yeah. So that's pretty funny.
2: All right. The so next Superman will go to the bomb shelter to see Arnold. He goes into the next room for his anti-Superman gun, which apparently it was made by the Acme Corporation, because this is what Wile e. Coyote tends to look like after using some kind of gadget on the Roadrunner.
1: Yeah, I had totally forgotten this little end scene here. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's pretty funny. It's very funny. It's a very funny, over-the-top funny, but right. I'm sure as a kid, as a kid watching this, I must have laughed right out loud watching right.
2: this. Right, It made me think of Roadrunner cartoons.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: And let's bear in mind, this is the same actor who played the corrupt gym owner, wrestling promoter in season one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where he was very evil and very menacing. Mm-hmm. And here he is now doing this.
1: Yeah. Acting.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just love him standing, yeah. standing there in his burnt outfit looking uh, miserable. Yeah. <laughs> and then Superman just walks up to him and talks to him like an idiot child. That's it. You missed. Shall we go? Shall we? So now we uh, get to our ending scene. Lois and Jimmy got a raise for helping do something.
1: (laughs) I'm not exactly sure what they did to help. They tied up the bad guy.
2: (laughs) They tied up the bad guy and nearly got Henderson arrested. (laughs) Right. So nice little scene at the end there. Yeah. Where Clark says he wasn't very useful anyway, being that he was the one who found the
1: key. Right. Well, basically, he's the one who invented the whole scheme, got Henderson to go with the scheme, found the... It was all Kent. Kent did it all. It was all Clark. All of it. But yeah. And boys and girls out there in the listening audience, boys and girls. Blackmail is a bad thing. Yes, it is. It's bad. Blackmail, it's kind of like, you know, when if you saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, and she didn't want daddy to know, but you saw her kiss Santa Claus, and now you tell her that you saw her kissing Santa Claus, and that if you give, if that, if mommy were to give you something good, you wouldn't tell daddy that you saw her kissing Santa Claus. That's blackmail. Right. And that's not good, boys and girls. So... If you ever see Mommy kissing Santa Claus, don't blackmail her into giving you goodies no. or doing good stuff for you. That's just really not good. Just go straight to Daddy and tell him. No, no, that's probably not a good idea either. Boys and girls. Tough okay. call. <laughs> it is. Blackmail. It is bad. Yes. So
2: let's take a quick break. We'll play another promo. And we'll come back with The Deadly Rock. Woohoo! Hang around, folks.
0: Stop and listen! Stop and listen to me! Listen! Listen! Listen to me! They're not humans! Everyone!
6: They're here already! Your names! November 4th,
5: 1988. Earth is invaded by an alien alliance composed of several species, including the Dominators, the Kunz, the Danegarians, and the Durlins. And they want our superheroes. Even though Australia has been decimated, the United Nations' response is unequivocal. Drop dead. First Strike, the Invasion Podcast, takes you back to that moment in time and covers the entire Invasion DC Comics crossover. Issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes. First Strike, the Invasion Podcast. A proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember, Melbourne!
2: All right, welcome back, folks. We head right into the Deadly Rock. Original broadcast date was June 2, 1956. Writer was Jackson Gillis, and director was Harry Gerstead. Guest cast included former Batman Robert Lowry as Gary Allen, Robert Falk as Big Tom Rufus, Stephen Garay as Professor Van Wyck, Jim Hayward as the airport baggage man, Sid Melton as the thug, Vincent Perry as the doctor, Rick Roman as the snorkel, and Lynn Thomas as the Duchess. And now for our synopsis brought to you by Supermanhomepage dot com. Oops.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's alright, you got it the first time. Yeah, I know. One out of two is not bad.
1: <laughs> oh
2: God. Especially these days. Yes. Two men have arrived at the Metropolis Airport. One is scientist Professor Van Wick, who has brought some rock samples with him from Africa, and the other is Gary Allen, an old acquaintance of Daily Planet reporter Clark Kent. Allen has recovered from being in an airplane crash in Africa some time back. He's felt better than he has in years until a sudden bout of weakness hits him while telephoning Clark Kent at the baggage claim desk. Both Clark and Jimmy Olsen, who were sent to meet Gary, are surprised to see him feel better away from the luggage. Come on,
0: Gary. Oh, boy. There we are. Oh, you had me worry there for a while. You must have fainted. Fainted? Uh-huh. I must have been out for a half hour if you're here already. Well, I, um, happen to know of a shortcut, but there isn't much traffic. Hi, Mr. Kent. Hello, Jimmy. What are you doing here? Well, this is the man you were supposed to meet. Oh, hello, sir. How are you?
5: I, uh, I guess I was watching the wrong airplane. I'm sorry, Mr. Allen.
0: Hey, I Got this at first aid. Oh, thanks. I'm all right. Good. With your friends, huh? Yes, and thank you so much for your courtesy. I feel like I'd been out for an hour. Well, you feel all right now? Think you'll able to travel? Sure. But it's funny, though. I never fainted in my life before. Well, you're probably still suffering from the effects of that plane crash you told me about on the phone. But I'm not. That's the funny part of it. A few minutes ago, I felt just like I did during the plane crash. Woozy, sort of weak all over. It, It came and went. Just like I said, you're still suffering from the effects of that crash. Clark, it's the place. I'm sorry, Gary, but you've lost me. Well, don't you see? Outside, I feel fine. And in here, in the plane, every place. But back there, standing by that phone... Come on, it's right over here. I'll show you. All right. Let me give you a hint. Here we go. Seriously, Gary, I'd like you to see this doctor. He's a very good friend of mine, and exceptionally good for this sort of thing. No, I... I feel fine now, Kent, I... Let's see. I stopped here for a second. Yes. And that's the phone I used to call you.
5: Gary, what is you... Golly, I got him. Mr. Kip. He's just sick. That's all. There's nothing wrong
0: here. I, I feel fine. Jimmy, take him to that bench down the hall. Quickly. You better help me. As I tell you.
5: Mr. Ken, is something the matter with you too?
0: Uh, no, no, Jimmy. Uh, get him a drink of water, will you, right away? Please, quick,
2: hurry. Just calling me one thing. There's kryptonite, the only substance that can harm Superman in the area. Bum, 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 bum. The eccentric and equally obnoxious Professor Van Wyck has taken his samples with him.
6: Where is
0: nobody? Man! Man! Sorry, sir. You get your luggage outside. This is only the back way. Teeps, huh? Teeps. <laughs> huh? Okay, okay,
6: from abroad, huh? Africa. Up there, Africa, very hot. Now I pass your immigration, I'm going to enjoy myself in your city. One luggage, please.
0: Here we are. Say, what he you gotten at, anyway? Uh, let's see your custom slip. Does it hurt you, huh?
6: No. He <laughs> has clearance, huh? <laughs> it not hurt you. It not hurt me. It not hurt anybody. Only one person in the whole world.
0: Huh? Deep, huh, huh? (laughs) Deep.
2: Gary Allen has been examined by a doctor.
0: Well, doctor? I took a preliminary blood test. So far, it looks as if you were exposed to some sort of metallic radiation. What? Doctor, would radiation cause that kind of reaction? That's the trouble. It just looks like it, I said. Maybe you came near some sort of dangerous metal then again, my tests don't indicate any metal I've ever heard of. Any metal on Earth. Jeepers, what if that metal... Hold it, Jimmy. Gary, when was this plane crash of yours? You ought to remember the date, Clark. It was the same time Superman tangled with that big asteroid, smacked it to pieces, remember? Saved the world from a collision. Well, my plane got caught in a shower of fragments. Mr. Kent, that's it. Uh, hold it, will you, Jimmy? Gary, did you ever hear of a man by the name of Van Wick from Africa? Who? Van Wick. I checked with the customs people. He picked up a very heavy satchel. And while he's listed as a plantation owner, he signs himself as professor. No, I've never heard of him. Inside of that satchel, he must have been carrying uh, a... I beg your pardon, Jimmy. Uh, Will you excuse us for just a second? Now, wait a minute, Jimmy. I know what you're thinking.
5: Kryptonite. It must be. cheapest Mr. Kent, Superman had trouble with that asteroid, didn't he? And there's only one metal that can harm him. It's from the planet Krypton.
0: Yes, yes, I know. But you don't know it's Kryptonite, do you?
5: Well, I would if I saw it affect Superman. Cheap as Kryptonite could kill him. Yeah, I know. Wouldn't the customs give you a list of what the professor was bringing in?
0: No, they said the satchel contains some rock specimens. It seems the professor is an amateur collector.
5: Uh-huh. Well, then he probably won't try anything bad with them. And if he does have some kryptonite, he probably
0: doesn't even know what it is. I hope you're right, Jimmy. We better find that professor in a hurry, don't you think? I think I better contact Superman. This could be very important.
1: See? Continuity! Continuity. Season four, season two. Yay. And, and
2: you know, this episode of Panic in the Sky has something else in common. What? Jackson Gillis wrote them both.
1: This episode and Panic in the Sky?
2: Were both written by Jackson Gillis.
1: Uh, boy, that that says a lot.
2: Actually. It's it, it's that, shocking, isn't
1: it? Yeah, but that tells me a lot, though. Yeah, that's interesting. It tells you that he
2: remembers his own writing.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did he do any others between this? That's interesting. He did Wedding of Superman, too. Oh, ah, okay. Which I, I, I'm re- really
2: wondering, mm-hmm. like, what that episode would have been had a woman written it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. But Noel liked it. It's one of her favorite episodes, I guess, because she got so much, you know, screen time.
2: Right, so much to do. Other than walk around with stethoscopes and get tied up.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. All right.
2: So back to the synopsis. Now the kryptonite seems to be harming Clark's friend. And Superman must figure out how without killing himself in the process. Which is always a good plan. Good plan to do that, yes. Professor Van Wyck has gone to the home of underworld crime lord Big Tom Rufus. He explains what he saw in his telescope the night Superman destroyed the asteroid.
0: I'm Rufus. He's Rufus. Oh, at last. I am. I know who you are. Have a seat. This is the Snorkel, a very funny guy, and my secretary, the duchess. Well,
6: uh, once upon a time, I have a telescope, you see.
0: You wrote a letter, Professor. I understand the whole situation. I read it to him.
6: No, 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 no. The background, you must understand. I have a telescope. I built it for myself. It's my hobby, you see. So I've been watching on the telescope, and all of a sudden, There is the Superman watching. All of a sudden, there is an asteroid watching. Boom! Everything goes all over the sky.
0: (laughs) I saw it myself. A very disappointing fight. Superman got lucky in the last round. He saw it. The whole world did. But not the way
6: I saw it. Uh, I was watching the Superman and something happened to him. A strange reaction. A weakness. And I know what caused it. I have the secret right here, because there was a strange, peculiar color in my spectrum.
0: Strange color?
6: A new metal that makes the Superman to react to it, you see? One day, I was visiting the place where the plane crashed, and I saw a fragment of the meteor there. Just a tiny little piece, which didn't get fused by the heat, you see? Just a little rock. But it makes the same color in my spectrum.
0: Scientific stuff. Oh, oh.
6: Stop, 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 stop. This is what... what, what, You can get rid of Superman. Just a rock? My theory is this. If I can get Superman as close to this as you are, he fainted. If I get it closer, he's dead. More closer, he's dead. More closer, more dead.
0: Get out of here.
6: But you are not Superman. It won't hurt you.
0: I'm taking no chances. Get it
6: away. Farther.
0: Farther. Farther. Wait a minute, boss. You may have something there. If he can make Superman powerless with that, get rid of him for all time, for good, huh?
6: Of course I can. Just get me near to Superman with this rock and I can prove
0: you what I say. Suppose for a minute what you say is true. What's your proposition?
6: Mr. Rufus, plantations, I have. Science, telescope, hobbies, I have. Money, eh.
0: (laughs) no money. You deliver me Superman, stretched out like a fish and I'll give you everything I got, 10 million. You only got eight. Eight million dollars.
6: <laughs> eight million. Eight million.
0: Take him down to the Daily Planet building. Superman always shows up there sooner or later.
2: Disguised as a shoeshine man, Professor Van Wick, along with Big Tom's henchman the Snorkel has been testing the hidden kryptonite on any man who passes by them.
3: Great Caesar's ghost.
0: Of all the front page, where is everybody? Kent, where are you? Lois! Olson, oh, Here, you look at this. Would you write a story like that? I'm just waiting here. Of course not. Do I have to write every word in this newspaper? Who are you waiting
6: for? I don't know. I would to thank you. Well, let me tell you one thing. I've no time for shines.
0: The kind of help I get around this place, I'd be lucky to have time for a bath this week. You are not too many. Did you want something, Chief? Yes, I'd like a couple of reporters around here who can write sensible stories. What's the matter with Kent today, anyway?
5: Well, he's got a pretty important problem. He's out trying to find something, but
0: he ought to be back in the... What you looking for? Well,
5: it's a secret. Nobody knows but me. All right, never mind.
0: Just tell Kent I want to see him when he gets back. And don't call me Chief, either. Yes, Chief,
5: sir.
6: Giant.
0: Say, that's a good idea. A man should look his best for a free lunch, huh? This is him.
2: Come on. Believing Gary is Superman, Professor Van Wick and the Snorkel take him to Big Tom. Jimmy is having one of those days.
4: Oh, hi, Jim. Why the long face? Cheap and chewing you out again.
5: Well, I'll say he has... Only not on my account this time. It seems that it's my fault that he can't find Mr. Kent.
4: Where is Clark? I haven't seen him all day.
5: I don't know where he is, but I got to find him. Well, what's so important? Well, you know this Professor Van Wick he's been looking for? He thinks that this professor had something to do with those feigning spells that Gary Allen had, and also that this Van Wick may have Superman in terrible danger. You mean? That's right, kryptonite.
4: What are we supposed to do about it?
5: I don't know. But I think I do know where this Professor Van Wick is.
4: You do? How'd you find out?
5: Well, you know Herbie the Cabby? I was just talking to him down in the lunchroom. And he told me that he drove some goofy character from the airport to a house in the country. And when they got there, he got out of the cab to pay his fare. He not only paid it, he bowed from the waist and gave him a calling card.
4: Professor Van Wick. And where is this house? I think I know where
5: it is. And I also know who it belongs to. A very important racketeer named Big Tom Rufus.
4: Well, okay, let's go.
5: What do you mean, let's go? It's Mr. Kent's story.
4: But he isn't here. And in the meantime, the Professor and this Rufus may have Superman in some terrible trouble. Can't you see, Jim? We've got to get out there.
5: Well. I guess so, only we better take the police along.
4: Oh, we can't, they'll be raiding the place with sirens screaming and spoil everything, come on.
5: Uh, okay, you go get the car out of the garage and I'll leave a note for Mr. Kent in case he can get in contact with Superman. I'll get my coat and meet you downstairs in
0: five minutes. Okay.
2: In an effort to help Superman, Lois and Jimmy go to the gangster's home to confront him.
0: I went through his wallet, boss. Name's Gary Allen. Lives here in Metropolis, but he travels a lot. Does jobs for the government, sort of an investigator. So? So, that's what Superman figures to be. It's a perfect identity for him. Could it be? No, nah, no, nah, he's just an ordinary guy. Well set up, athletic, but certainly no Superman. Look at it this way. None of the rest of us here are affected by that little ruck. And nobody down at the planet office was affected when the professor shoved it at them. Except this Allen character. Go ahead, how come? Uh, how indeed. Hey, come here a minute, Duchess. A few minutes ago, you were wanting to test that knitting needle. Here, give it to me. Wait, hey, it broke. Oh, if you're really Superman, I've been wanting to do this for years. <claps> oh. oh, wait a minute. I'm going to let him have it. You fool, no shooting but he hits the boss when I'm around. He didn't hit me, I hit him. Well, I'm still gonna let him have it. You're a fool, but you proved one thing beyond the shadow of a doubt. He's not hurt. His heart's beating as good as ever. So there's only one thing can really hurt him. That little rock.
6: Well, I told you all along. One little whiff of this, and he's unconscious. A little stronger exposure, a little longer exposure, and he's dead. Boom! May I have my eight million dollars, please?
0: I'm a man of my word, Professor. You'll get your million dollars. <laughs> That's
6: right. One
0: million? You said eight million! Let's look at it this way, Professor. Who needs that kind of money?
6: <laughs> One million.
0: I found him prowling around the premises. I seen the kid before at the Daily Planet building. Reporters? Yeah, yeah, they're reporters. Well, isn't that just too bad for them? What are you doing to Mr. Allen?
4: And where's Superman?
0: My dear young people, Mr. Allen is Superman. He can't be.
4: You're making a terrible mistake.
0: There's no mistake. He proved it himself. I'm afraid Gary Allen, alias Superman, has come to the end of the road. And since you chose to be so Snoopy, I'm afraid you're going to travel with him. Come on, get the rope out of the other room, we'll tie him
2: up. They're tied up as a napalm is lit to cover Big Tom's escape. Meanwhile, the kryptonite has been placed close to the Gary. It is also preventing Superman from rescuing his friends. Professor Van Witt now regrets ever finding the kryptonite.
0: Put the rock beside Superman there, Professor, so you can be sure he won't come too. This terrible thing you are going to do,
6: it makes me feel sick. For
0: a million dollars you can get well. I do like the boss says, huh?
6: No, no! I wish I've never seen this deadly rock, this...
2: This terrible! He hurls the deadly rock before Big Tom takes him by force. It lands near Jimmy, and Superman alerts him and Lois to kick it into the fireplace. The man of steel uses a weed burner to set the Kryptonite on fire. With the lethal meteor now in ashes, Superman can free Gary, Lois, and Jimmy before the napalm takes full effect. Meanwhile, sirens are heard nearby. Jimmy calls Metropolis Inspector Bill Henderson to arrest Big Tom and his gang. One hour after the cover reporter and Lois arrived at the house. Later at the planet.
0: It still seems incredible, but Superman's explanation must be the right one. Although the kryptonite knocked me out and eventually would have killed me, while I was under its influence, I was impervious to bullets or anything else. Jeepers, for a while there, you really were Superman. Did I hear someone mention Superman?
4: You certainly did. Where have you been?
0: Yes, old friend, where have you been all afternoon? Well, you might say I've been looking for you. After all, we were supposed to have lunch, weren't we? All
2: right. So. What are your thoughts on this one? I actually like this one.
1: I actually like this. It's got some, you know, goofy parts and some so intense fire will melt kryptonite. What? Really? Interesting. Um, that kind of stuff. But overall, yeah, I like this. I think overall, I give this one a solid B as well.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I do too. You know, I like it as a follow up to Panic in the Sky. You know, yeah, so it's follow up on the plot. It just follows up on uh, the fact that it happened. Right. So, you know, and a, it just adds episode.
1: the coolness that it's really bat that the guy who played Batman is uh, is now playing Clark Kent's good friend, you know, and he's such a good friend that we've never seen him and will never, ever again.
2: Well, he travels a lot,
1: he travels a lot.
2: I can believe that this guy, was, this guy was Batman. He's a, he's a large man.
1: He's a big man. He's a big man. He and George Reeves, both pretty big men. I think
2: Lowry has a little more width than George does.
1: Yeah, and when you see him in the Bat costume of the time period, yeah, it's... Again, it goes from being comical to downright spooky.
4: Right.
1: But uh, I highly recommend the Robert Lowry Batman serials. I liked them. I enjoyed them. Well, for what they were. Well, he
2: only did one. He did the second one.
1: He did the second one. But I like them both. I like... Partially sentimental reasons, you know, they did a marathon showing one winter here in Richmond. One of the theaters were showing the Superman followed by the Batman serials all day. Right. And, and I went, and by the time my father dropped me off, it started to snow. And we had, you know, uh, practically a major blizzard here. And it was in the early 60s. And uh, my father came, and I was one of maybe four other people in the theater, And they're still showing, and they were just letting all of them run. My father came in at one point, an hour or two in, tapped me on the shoulder and said, it's, you know, a blizzard outside. But then he said, well, hmm, maybe we can watch the end of this one. And, you know, that was kind of cool. He sat and watched a little bit. But when we got out, it was major blizzard time out there, having to drive back to the west end of the city through it. But uh, very cool watching those up on the big screen as a kid.
2: Do you in Richmond define major blizzard to say my idea?
1: Uh, probably not. But for us, a major right. blizzard was knee high. So we were looking at 10, 12 inches of snow and the whole city is stopped and everything, right. you know, is down 10 or 12 inches is, is a lot of snow for us. Not the normal two or three inches. Right. But um, we've had blizzards here where we've gotten two to three feet of snow. That's some serious snow.
2: Yeah, that's some serious stuff. Yeah. Even here. All right. And I'm not even in this really in the snow belt.
1: Right. All right. So, to
2: the episode. To the episode. Starts off with a gloved hand putting a chunk of rock into what I initially thought was a lead box. You know, and it's just composed right over the... Is that the right word? Well, it's right, up, yes, right over the rock is the title "Deadly Rock." So mm-hmm. this episode is beating you over the head that that's a dead, that's a deadly rock.
1: That's a deadly rock.
2: Yeah, and we see well, him loaded into the satchel.
1: It's only deadly to two people that we know of.
2: Well, it should only be deadly to one,
1: right? Unless so, it's post crisis when it's deadly to everybody with a long enough exposure.
2: Or unless it's Smallville and it gives you superpowers. <laughs> which it kind of does in this episode
1: it does kind of but you're unconscious so you don't really know that sure, you have sure, superpowers huh. right
2: so we see him putting the hand putting the see i thought that was a lead box but that doesn't track because if it was in a lead box it wouldn't affected any of them
1: exactly exactly
2: unless the lid fell off in in the back
1: no it's it's uh because the way he yeah it was not a lead box i don't think so although it should have been when he was traveling with it until he really wanted to expose people to it like they did when they were doing the shoe shine. <clears throat> that was probably in a lead box because he opened it and pointed it at people. Right.
2: And it, it was very obvious he was pointing it at people. It was obvious he yeah, wasn't obvious.
1: there. For, especially the shoe shine guys tend to hang out
2: at the outside of the building. So next we get some stock footage of United Airlines.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, not and, blowing up.
2: <clears throat> no, not yet. <clears throat> Good. And uh, here's the guy with a long trench coat that we don't know. He's calling Clark Kent. Clark called him Gary. So apparently. They know each other. And this is probably the first time that Clark has heard from Gary in a while. Because Gary tells him about the plane crash as if this is the first time Clark is ever hearing about it.
1: Mm, right.
2: And it was a couple of years ago at this point.
1: Yeah, and that's, a, that's interesting, When you know, the way they did put that. As if it has been that long since the two of them have talked. Right. So, yeah. Um, you're right. Interesting how much time in Superman time, TV time, because it's been two years in our time, to- or, you know, Earth time right. from the time the first one aired to this one, but it may not have been quite two years. I don't think, that, yeah, who knows? I don't know. Well, he the- just says a couple of years ago. So okay.
2: It doesn't matter exactly how long it was.
1: Right, a couple of years ago.
2: But it seems like if they're such good friends, right? you would think they'd have some communication.
1: You'd think. But, like you said before, Gary travels a lot, and Clark is, you know, you know. Superman, so he's kind of busy, too, a little bit.
2: Yeah, everybody's busy, but...
1: <laughs> right.
2: But there must have been some communications. Clark knew he was coming. True He that. sent Jimmy to pick him up, so that doesn't quite track. So. But he did get caught in the plane crash, so that's important. The attendant we have seen before, the guy at the baggage counter here,
1: mm-hmm.
2: he was... I think we almost recently saw him in Great Caesar's Ghost hmm He was the coffee man and the guy who tried to shoot Superman. That was not very nice. No, that was not very nice. And he got his uh, his just desserts there. Mm-hmm.
1: I Wonder if he's the same guy cause now I'm thinking he was he the same guy uh, in but no, no probably not in the the jack the uh, coat that once again the little kid Bobby gives his uh, grandfather's coat. That has confederate full of confederate money. Oh,
2: is that the yeah, Prince Albert coat? The
1: Prince Albert coat.
2: Oh, well, we'll figure it out when we get to that. Yeah. One. Oh, you
1: haven't gotten but, to Prince Albert coat yet?
2: That's season five.
1: Oh, okay, good. I may not be. Yeah, we'll have to see if I'm around for that one.
2: <laughs> yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I get to pick and choose. <laughs>
2: you do. I don't.
1: <laughs> hey, your show, man. I know. <laughs> um, that, that's not a complaint. Not a complaint.
2: But I will say this the dog who knew Superman is going to get unseated.
1: (laughs) Really? You found one you've hated better? Yes, I have. Ooh. Ooh. Interesting. You'll have to wait for next week for that one, folks. Ooh, I can look ahead. Oh, I know which one it is now, then. That
2: gave (laughs) it away. So the attendant picks up a bag that isn't Gary's, but it's pretty heavy. So if we're paying attention, this is the uh, same bag from the opening shot that the hands put the. Put the rock in, so. It's
1: kryptonite.
2: It is kryptonite. We'll just call it kryptonite. It's kryptonite. Yes, it is.
1: Or it has, since it's still in rock form. Right. And just well, it's probably kryptonite. a piece of the asteroid. Yeah. It's not total kryptonite, but has kryptonite in it.
2: Right. And this bag is so heavy, I can only imagine what the airline fees for that would be now.
1: Mm. You
2: couldn't there, afford there no, it. There were no baggage fees then, but they're... They'll kill you now. Yeah, you couldn't afford it, especially for something that heavy. So meanwhile, Gary, who was feeling better than he'd ever been in years, passes out as soon as the bag was put down in the uh, little counter there. So he, here's Gary laying. So Clark hangs up the phone and is on his way to the airport. And here is Gary laying on the bench as Clark picks him up. As he picks him up, he says, "All right, Gary, come on, boy," as if he's his pet dog. <laughs> I found that bit of dialogue a little weird.
1: Mm. I think that was a common thing back then. Yeah, and he said that to Jimmy. He said that to other people. He may have even said that to Perry.
2: Right. When and he was
1: taking him out of the sweat box. Come on, yeah.
2: boy. And honestly, Clark is yeah. not getting any points for being easy with the unconscious guy.
1: Uh, no. He he's kind of throwing Gary around here on this bench. Yeah. Well, he's
2: Batman. He can take it. Yeah, he can. <laughs> so. So now Jimmy shows up, and he's quite perplexed to see Clark. But you know what? Clark found the shortcut that didn't involve traffic.
1: Gee, so, I wonder what that was.
2: Yeah, I wonder. He Could he have gone over the traffic?
1: Mm, maybe. Maybe so, Superman helped him.
2: Maybe. So Gary is quite confused as to why he fainted. Because he mentioned he felt it on the plane, too. So I don't know if Professor Van Wick was sitting next to him or.
1: Or close enough. Baby,
2: yeah. Close enough that it was bugging him. So, Gary retraces his steps, and then all of a sudden, both Gary and Clark are kind of feeling the effect of whatever's in the bag. And uh, that's going to tell us that, tell us at least, that it's Kryptonite. Batman and Superman down. Yeah. <laughs> and it's quite amusing seeing Jack Larson have to catch a man almost twice
1: his size. Right, right. Yeah, they played that up pretty nicely, too. They yeah. did. fun scene.
2: And they're like, oh, you better help me.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Because Jack Larson is not a large man. Uh, no. Was well, not. No. Speaking of people who aren't very large, here is an annoying guy at the counter demanding service. We're going to find out that this is uh, Professor Van Wick.
1: Who what has do you think of this guy? lots of property, but no, no money. I have no, no money. money. I have no money.
2: So what do you think of this guy?
1: Uh, you know, he fits right into one of the three categories of scientists on the show. And uh, could have been played by, you know, this part, he could have played the the, the other professor um, as well as 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 the other professor could have played this guy. Uh, and I think well, it might have even been the other Kryptonite episode. Yeah, no, no, the, it was the Freeze, the Big Freeze episode. Yeah. In the Big Freeze.
2: Well, no, I, I think you're thinking of the, the foreign scientist from Defeat of Superman.
1: Foreign scientist from The Defeat of Superman. The one who,
2: who synthesizes the kryptonite.
1: Well, him, yes. He, uh, Okay, he, he's another one. But also... Or are
2: you thinking of Dr. Watts?
1: Dr. Watts the, in The Big Freeze. Right. Uh, this guy could have played the Dr. Watts part. He wouldn't have done probably the backwards, you know, no. that extra talking thing from Metropolis. I am Metropolis, yes. Now, this
2: guy shtick is the accent, and uh, he's very animated.
1: Very animated. We'll, well see that when again, he when he tells his story. Are. Right, all of them are, but this guy particularly, and he likes money. He needs money. Well, he doesn't have any. He doesn't have any money. Apparently, he's not a very good farmer. But he has land. Yeah. He has animals. He has things. Uh, no money. No money. But he no, has a telescope. No but he has a deadly rock, too. And he does, and... I'm not sure if this guy is a scientist
2: or just some schmuck with a telescope.
1: Uh, he's just a guy with a telescope. I saw. Lucky. He got lucky, found a rock. Yeah. I don't know why he thinks it's kryptonite, other than he must have been watching. Didn't he say he was actually yeah, he said with he a was telescope?
2: Wa- he, he was watching through his telescope.
1: When Superman hit it.
2: And it was the same color.
1: Right. So, so. there we have it.
2: But meanwhile, so he's confusing the hell out of this attendant, because he's just talking very fast in, in his... Uh, Whatever accent he's got. And the attendant has one of his best lines of the episode. Huh? <laughs> so, Clark and Jimmy take Gary to the doctor. Because not only is this guy a doctor, he's also a very good friend of Clark's. Of course he so, is. So, apparently a blood test revealed that he was exposed to some kind of metallic radiation. Good blood test. Yeah, that, that is a good blood test. And, uh...
1: You... Does this mean he has kryptonite poisoning? Uh, that's what it sounds like, yeah. The,
2: the doctor was confused and... This is where Gary uh, says that his plane crashed during. Because at first Clark was putting everything on, he was still feeling the effects of the plane crash. And this is where Gary mentions that he was caught in the meteor shower when uh, Superman blew up the asteroid with the. Uh... Did the
1: meteor shower cause the plane crash?
2: That's what they implied. It seemed they got caught in the uh, shower of fragments.
1: Anybody die in that plane crash?
2: Well, Gary lived, they didn't talk about anybody
1: else. Interesting. Maybe he was flying by himself.
2: Maybe. Well, either way. Either way. He was caught. He was caught in all this. Jimmy, meanwhile, is bursting out of his chair to yell out Kryptonite. <laughs> Literally, almost bursting out of his chair.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Until Clark goes to him and says, oh, "Boy, let's go talk outside. We gotta right. calm your ass down here." <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> right. Clark lets him know. Yes, Jimmy. Yes. 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 We know. We know. Clark tries
2: to throw Jimmy off the trail here and says, Oh, you don't know what's Kryptonite. Right. But Jimmy's got Jimmy's got the perfect answer to answer to that. I would if it, I would if I saw it affect Superman. Yeah. But so.
1: well, why would it be affecting uh, Gary? Well that is what
2: we don't understand. There you go. So they know a couple of things about Professor Vandenberg, that he's a rock collector. So they're kinda of hoping that he doesn't know what he has, but well, we already know from his speech at the airport that uh, he has an idea. Has an idea. It only hurts one person in the whole world! So, here is uh, Van Wick arriving at Mr. Rufus' house. And he is quite perplexed by the, by a door that seems to close on its own. He enjoys getting searched uh, a little too much. <laughs> and he's quite impressed by the house. As and he th- should be. Yeah, as he should be. And he thinks that everybody who shows up is Mr. Rufus. Snorkel uh, comes up and uh, Van Wick tells him about how they have no money. And this is where we learn that... Uh, the professor watched the events of panic in the sky through his telescope, and he visited uh, Gary Mitchell's plane crash, and he found where he found his rock. Gary Allen. Yes. Gary Mitchell. Did I think I, I did write Gary Mitchell. Why mm-hmm. I wrote that? Must have been thinking of Star Trek.
1: Thinking of Star Trek. I thought of Star Trek earlier, actually. Yeah. I caught myself thinking Gary Mitchell. Interesting, isn't it? It is.
2: So Van Wick postulates that the rock can kill Superman, and he humorously brings the rock toward Rufus. Who orders him away from it because he's afraid of it? The professor here is definitely the comic relief of the episode.
1: Uh, this bad guy, by the way, the boss. Yes, this is his only appearance in adventures, isn't it? I, I
2: think, think so. I don't. I don't recall ever seeing him before or since. I haven't seen any of these people before or since. Actually,
1: yeah, I think. Uh, I think his uh, wife, the gun maul, whatever her name is, the Duchess. The Duchess, thank you, the Duchess, and uh, hello, Duchess, and. <laughs> Uh, but, of course, his the main guy, I think, has been on before, or will be. Not the main guy, the, his henchman. The guy standing behind him and whispers, but you're not worth $8 million, or you're not worth whatever, $10 million, well, or whatever. You hope he's going to come back. He's a very funny guy. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, that's what we're told, at least.
1: <laughs> right. Well, let's see if he comes back.
2: All right, folks, so let's just talk amongst yourselves while I figure this out.
1: Who are you looking up? You're looking up the main guy?
2: No, I'm looking up the henchman. I n- I don't... Let's see, his name is Rick Roman.
1: Rick Roman is the henchman? Yes. Yeah, wasn't he in the barber episode?
2: I haven't done that one yet.
1: Mm. The barber that could talk people into doing stuff.
2: Well, what what barber can't? Right. Uh, They could talk into giving them far too much money for a haircut.
1: (laughs) I haven't had a haircut in over six years. I have very long hair now. We're in Willie Nelson territory now.
2: Yeah, no, I... uh, I'm getting to the point where I can brush my hair, which means
1: I have to go to the barber. <laughs> no, he was in Jet Ace. What part in Jet Ace?
2: Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. He was Nate, the, uh, the thug.
1: Really? Interesting. Oh, oh, right. 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 Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Got it. Yeah, but let's see all if right. uh, Big Tom, I don't know if Big Tom comes back. Yeah, I don't think so. I think this is his only shot. The professor is
2: telling his story about how all, how all the fragments went all over the sky. <laughs> he's very excited about what he just saw he needed to tell his story very in very animated fashion
1: yep and it was good and the fact that it was a recall from a previous episode which they had never done nope so well they did a little bit because of the kryptonite in
2: superman week they recalled that's to Peter a superman that's true that's that's true. the only two times that i could that i could that's think true. of the lead pipe with superman yeah right so rufus wants superman out of the way so much that he's willing to give Van Wick more than his entire net worth.
1: Yeah, that's that's so stupid. Which tells you right off. He's lying. He has no plans at all. No. He could have just told the guy, Van Wick. He could have said, I'll give you a million dollars. And Van Wick would have loved it. Yeah. Ex- and the boss could have afforded to do it, and everybody would have been happy.
2: Well, yeah, especially if you get rid of Superman, he could probably make that money back pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. All right. So, obviously, where else would you send somebody trying to kill Superman? You send them to the planet. Of course. Van Wick will pose the Shoe Shine Man, and uh Snorkel just poses as somebody just standing around doing nothing in the middle of the of the hallway. And no one says a word about the about these two idiots just hanging around outside Perry's office. Mm. And there's also a rare moment where the storeroom door is open.
1: Yeah, I thought of that too. I thought, oops, Clark, you didn't you forgot to close the door, buddy. Look <laughs> out. So Perry
2: comes out and starts screaming. And then he, then he screams at Van Wick.
1: You know, and you would think that he
2: would notice whatever is vexing him before guys at the paper. But oh well.
1: I like Van Wick's jacket here. All of a sudden, this professor guy is wearing a like a brown a, leather jacket.
2: A very stylish brown leather jacket. Really you know, nice like
1: looking that. brown leather jacket. Yeah, really like that jacket a lot, actually.
2: Yeah, he's, he's out of his 1920s plantation owner outfit.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, supposedly he's now just being a street. Person, yeah, or, uh, shoe shine, but that leather jacket is nice. I'd like to have that jacket.
2: I'm guessing that is courtesy of Big Tom. That jacket.
1: I don't know. It looks like it fits him. Looks like he's worn it before.
2: Well, they probably brought him to a store by his disguise. All right, You All right. got it. You
1: know, expenses. All right, I'll go along with that. They did costume for the event. No. Well. You gotta gotta look the part. I, <laughs> right.
2: I don't I don't right. think he bought it. He has no money, so he didn't buy it. No money. Right. No money. How did he get to, How did he get a book of flight if he has no money? No money.
1: Credit cards that they didn't have in
2: 1954. So. Or maybe Big Tom blew him in. Could be. He did write letters to uh, to Big Tom. Yes. So so after uh, Perry yells at Van Wick and uh, tells us more about his bathing habits than we ever wanted to know,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Perry needs to dedicate. Find some time for his bath. Of
1: course.
2: <laughs> Those of us with super senses of smell will thank him later. Yes. So uh, then he yelled at Jimmy, who shows up, and uh, Perry got in a preemptive don't call me chief. Yeah, Jimmy still says it. So now are you surprised here that Perry doesn't kind of push Jimmy for whatever secret Jimmy uh, is not telling him?
1: A little bit, but Perry sometimes will not do that. He's done that before where one of his reporters says something, and then he'll just... You know, push them out, get them out, and say, Uh and make a comment. Right. Nobody ever tells me anything. No, can't keep up. What's going on? Try to run a newspaper, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Right. So,
1: So yeah, I think I think this was pretty much in character for both of them. Okay.
2: I watched it the second time today while I was folding my laundry, of all mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. As he walks away from Van Wick and Snorkel, Jimmy says no. What do you think he's referring to when he says no? Says no. He looks, he looks at Van Wick and then says no i don't know i don't remember that right yeah i couldn't figure it out like maybe he's wondering is this the guy Maybe he's saying no i don't know
1: van wick said it to jimmy or jimmy said it to van wick jimmy's kind of said that as he's walking away jimmy says no yeah oh he's answering the guy no i don't want a shoe shine oh okay yeah probably yeah i don't want to shine no thank you and giving him a weird look like you're not supposed to even be here no yeah,
2: yeah. These shoe shine guys normally, <clears throat> when they hang out in buildings, they hang out like you know, either in the lobby or outside. Right. They're not usually right in the uh, in the workplace.
1: No, no. In fact, big time buildings, hotels, maybe newspapers, whatever. Big, but big time city buildings would have a special spot for that very thing for pe- right. shoe shine people. And it was a whole setup with chairs and stuff. It wasn't just a guy in a shoe box.
2: So all right, so uh after all that, Gary comes in and he is overcome by the Kryptonite. And now here is Van Wick, who is might even be shorter than Jack Larson. hmm. Trying to catch this guy. Yeah. So if nothing else, Robert Lowry is doing a very good job of falling into people.
1: He does do the good job of that. But it was the henchman that, that picked him up over his shoulder and moved away. It wasn't Van
2: Wick. Well, no, but he did fall into Van Wick's arms initially. Right. He got some help. He got some help this time where Jimmy did not. Exactly. So, Gary passes out and, uh, Jimmy kind of moseys into, uh, Lois's office all depressed. Apparently, Lois got her typewriter back from the shop and he kind of spills the beans about Professor Van Wick having kryptonite. And Oops. apparently, Jimmy knows this cab driver who happened to take, uh, Van Wick to a house owned by Big Tom Rufus. This, this all happened because of coincidence and plot. So, they leave. Jimmy's gonna leave Clark a note, so to Lois five minutes so he does something else too. He also calls the police. To give them an hour. So, here is Gary laid up in a chair, and he's the professor is holding the rock over him, and he's just laying there sleeping. The Duchess is busy poking him with a knitting with a knitting needle.
1: Thank you, Duchess. Yeah, thank you.
2: Snorkel thinks is convinced that that uh Gary Allen here is Superman, but Big Tom is skeptical. You know. You know, and I'm thinking about what everybody's so skeptical about uh whether Gary is Superman can somebody turn around and look out the window
1: Oh and see Superman watching them <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> he's not exactly sneak I mean he's pretending like he's sneaking but he's he's quite obviously yeah but that you know, outfit
2: TV. is not is not built for sneaking
1: no but you know TV especially when they sit on the couch right they're looking right at him pretty
2: they're much. looking right at that window yeah pretty much Superman is not inconspicuous
1: no. But it is funny, because George Reeves it moves is. back there kind of like they can't see him, like he is hiding behind this or that, and right. it's obvious he's standing right there. And then they, even later, the dumb hand signals he gives, it's, just, it's phew, wow, wow. Yes. Continue.
2: I I will continue, and uh, he's getting amused by Rufus getting hurt by the punch,
1: and I, then- Not so amused when Rufus pulls his gun out, though.
2: Well, Snorkel pulls out the gun. Well, and Snorkel. And shoots Gary three times.
1: Bang, bang, bang. Don't hit the you know, boss. Don't hurt the boss.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, well.
1: I boss, hurt him, you fool. Yeah.
2: Well, he was still going to shoot him. And
1: I don't know if the bullets bounced off or got stuck. I don't know. Just little three round stain marks on the shirt. So it's, On the shirt. Yeah. They don't even look like holds or anything. Just No, it, it just looked like the
2: bullets kind of sitting in there. Yeah, kind of weird. But they must have bounced off because Gary didn't go to the hospital or anything after this. He went right back to the Daily Planet office. And uh is Superman trying to break the window here?
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting... It's almost like a Marcel Marceau bit there, wasn't it? Right.
2: Yeah. Like, what
1: is he doing? Looks like and he again, was thinking about breaking through, but the kryptonite ray hurts him to get even that close. And... Until, of course, he needs to, to
2: destroy and, it. But. And no one sees this. Apparently not. They're so focused on Gary that nobody sees Superman... uh Messing around outside the window there. So, uh, this is where we learn that, uh, the professor's not gonna get nearly as much money as he expected. As Rufus kind of just casually tells me, Yeah, you'll get your million dollars, and well. Mm-hmm. The professor was quite put out by that.
1: But you eight million. Been, he would not have been if that had been the original deal. If he had right. really as broke as he said he was, the boss could have offered him the million, made the deal. But now when you offer him eight and and now you say, I'll give you a million, when you're still really not planning to give him anything at all. Right. And a million dollars is a huge amount of money, and it's a huge amount of money now, too. huge but amount of money, yes. You would call yeah. it life-changing money.
2: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And one million would have been enough for the professor's purposes, but I don't think it's going to do him any good where he's going. So, Lois and Jimmy show up, and they're tied up, and... Rufus is going to go to his fail-safe plan, which is basically to blow the house to hell and back.
1: Lois and Jimmy get tied up a lot in this series. Especially in these later episodes. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's almost every episode.
1: Almost every episode, yep. Now Van Wick
2: is uh, getting uh, a little squeamish, as all of a sudden.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: You know, killing Superman seemed like a very good idea to him in concept.
1: Right, and I think this has happened before when they have a uh, a scientist other than the de- the defeat of Superman, that scientist, the other scientists, they might come up with a plan, but then they have regrets when it doesn't work out quite like they thought it was going to be, or if other people all of a sudden are going to be hurt right they don't they don't want to play anymore. but think it through, folks.
2: they did and he wishes he never saw the rock. And I think he probably realizes he's not getting his million at this point. Yep. And he just kind of throws it, and it happens to land by the fireplace. How convenient. How convenient. And this gives Superman an idea. As he goes over to the uh, to the shed and finds a weed
1: burner. Which everybody has. Maybe back then, but not now. I don't have a weed burner.
2: I don't have a weed burner either. We have a guy.
1: We have a guy.
2: Moles the lawn yeah. in exchange for green paper.
1: Oh, yeah. That guy is me. I mow my own lawn. I'm getting too old for that. I'm getting too old for that, so need to get me a young kid come over here and <laughs> motor you are, yes,
2: yeah, you uh you get in trouble now for burning weeds,
1: uh yeah, there's all kinds of laws about when and where and how and if, yeah,
2: you can set something on
1: fire, well, that's good. We should you know be safe, take care of the planet
2: anyway. So Superman's plan is to have Jimmy kick the kryptonite into the fireplace.
1: Which Jimmy does admirably. He does. While tied up in his chair. And he moves quite well in that. He moves quite well and with total confidence that that chair is not just going to crumble into little tiny pieces. A couple of times he puts all of his weight on like two legs of that chair while he's hopping it across. And
2: well, honestly, that chair crumbling into tiny pieces probably wouldn't have been a bad thing for him.
1: Well, it would have been very funny.
2: Yeah, it would have. But, he, uh, he,
1: can get, he can untie himself from a chair that's he in could pieces. Have, yeah, exactly. But uh, uh, but he doesn't. He moves it across, kicks the kryptonite into the fireplace, where then <laughs> Superman turns the weed burner on, shooting out a flame like a f- flamethrower.
2: Right. It was a very it was a very powerful weed burner.
1: Uh, apparently, because it burned up the kryptonite. Yes, that's pretty amazing. It is. Did you notice that when Jimmy
2: started maneuvering toward the uh, toward the fireplace, Lois went in the other direction?
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She ain't no fool.
2: I guess she was a concern with Superman's aim.
1: Right. Right. But yeah, interesting and. Um, I don't know. To me, that's, you know, one of the bigger problems with this particular episode is that. But, uh, but still, it works fine if you're a kid and, you know, plot and how you're going to do it. And now, what thinking, do you think? couldn't is the he heat of a- his x-ray vision do that? What do you think? Is he being affected from the other side of the window? Probably, which is why he couldn't come in and why he... I'm, I'm having to go that way. I'm having to think that even from this distance, it knocks out Gary, Allen because it's closer to him. Right. If Superman had come any closer, it would have really started to have it weaken him. I think at that distance, it was starting to affect his powers.
2: Because that moment where he does that weird pantomime out the window. Yeah. That I thought that was an attempt for him to break in.
1: Well, yeah, it was kind of like him, you know, I'm having to go because the pantomime was not done that well on the fact that he's thinking about it, but the kryptonite ray hits him so he stops himself from actually hitting the the window, which the real purpose is because they didn't want to break the prop window at that moment. Right. So uh, they needed it for the next scene or whatever. And, uh, but I'm, I'm going with the fact that, yeah, it it was hurting him to get any even closer to the thing, even though once he had the flamethrower and broke through the window to, to burn the kryptonite. Now, maybe that was because Jimmy kicked it further away than it had been before.
2: I am guessing that if the heat of his X ray vision is working.
1: Yeah. He's not. He doesn't go get the weed burner. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I, exactly. And that's why I'm saying that the kryptonite had to be affecting, if not totally killing him, enough to take away his powers. Right. Which is probably why, one, he didn't break in. But two, he didn't melt it with his heat vision. Or at this time, the heat from his x-ray vision. Right. But we're not sure he can do that anyway. We've seen him do it in the comics. He had done it in the comics pre-this episode, during the 50s and even into the 60s and 70s. We've seen him uh, use the remaining bits of vision powers. Especially at at this
2: point. This is 1956, so this is the height of the Silver Age.
1: Right. Well, no, the height, I think, still goes into the early 60s. But I think 58, 56 to 66... Kind of is the is the heart and goal. You know, right. where we get the most powerful flying Superman, the Kurt Swan Superman. When Kurt Swan really starts taking over in the comic books, right. not just doing covers but also interiors, and George Reeves in the later episodes. But in the comics, when Superman is, you know, can fly into space under his own power, can see other planets right. with his vision, can you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
2: So the only explanation for what happened to Gary is that
1: Apparently, Kryptonite
2: radiation must have gotten into his blood or something and making him susceptible. And while he was under the influence, and I hope he didn't drive under the influence, hmm. it basically made him Superman, impervious to any earthly attacks. So, okay. I'm not sure we've ever seen Kryptonite function in that, quite that purpose. No. But it works for this story, I guess.
1: Yeah, it worked out fine for this story and uh and again i give it just a good solid b i think it's you know it's a it's an it was an enjoyable episode i enjoyed it as a kid and i think i even knew when they were doing this in reruns in the 60s by that point i had already seen the batman serial so i knew by watching this in reruns as a kid that robert lowry had been batman so even as a little kid in the 60s i was getting off on the fact that superman and batman were in the same show that was really
2: cool We had some good ones
1: this week. Yeah, I think so, too. I enjoyed both of them uh, for different reasons. But, yeah, I think they're both good solid B episodes. I knew I liked this one. The thing that surprised me is when watching uh, again that I like the first. That blackmail. I enjoyed that one as much as I did in in rewatching again for the show. But What's-His-Face made me laugh a couple times. So, not just Jack Larson, but him playing with. I forgot the actor's name again, but...
2: Uh, which, which one? Uh,
1: when he was tapping him on the head, the cerebellum bit. Oh, uh,
2: yeah, the Eddie Perkins character. Eddie Perkins, uh,
1: right. I forgot the actor's name. Sid, Tom- Sid Tomac. Uh, Tomac, there you go. Sid Tomac. But, uh, but I think they had some really good timing, some really good stuff going on there. So I enjoyed both of tonight's episode. This was fun. This was a good one.
2: All right, so next time I'm going to finish season four with The Phantom Ring. Not bad. And the Jolly Roger. Wait, ooh, threw up Bad. a little bit. <laughs> and after that, believe it or not, 75% of the way through, The Adventures of
1: Superman. That's amazing. You have two seasons, 26 episodes left. Yep. That's still one. A lot.
2: That's still a lot, yes, but only one DVD set to go.
1: Only one DVD set to go. They put five and six on the same DVD set. And we will be looking through them, picking a few select ones for me to come back and and talk on these. Because uh, you still have some really good episodes left. That uh, you've got some stinkers, but
2: yeah, there are some stinkers.
1: There's some stinkers, but there are some really really good season five and season six episodes. So I'm looking forward to coming back and talking about some of those. Mm-hmm. So. All right, and uh, in the meantime, where can they find you? SupermanForever.com for the Superman Forever Radio Podcast. You can send me email, too, by the way. I never remember to say that, but if you wanted to send me direct email, just me, you can send it to Bob at SupermanForever.com. Bob at SupermanForever.com.
2: All right, and you can send me email at manofscreen at gmail.com. You can find the show at its homepage manofscreen.podomatic.com and uh, you can find it on Facebook You just it's, we have a, a group dedicated to the show It's uh, just put Man of Screen Podcast into your search feed and the group will come up and uh, you also find the show on Twitter at Man of Screencast and if you're so inclined uh, leave some reviews on iTunes and Stitcher that'll help raise the, the profile of the show out on those directories so, for Bob Fisher this is Mike Zuma thanks for listening everybody have a good one don't miss the next thrill-packed episode in the amazing man of screen podcast The Man of Screen podcast is produced by Mike Zumo, and all the opinions on the show are those of Mike Zemo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used in the making of the show are for review purposes only and no copyright infringement is intended. All trademarks are copyright their original copyright holders. The Man of Screen podcast is a member of the Superman Podcast Network and can be found at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com The homepage for the show is ManOfScream. and you can email the show at ManOfScream at gmail. Thanks for listening.